Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Game Face, episode 252 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. This is the flagship show of Sifted Games, and we're going to be here for the next couple hours going through the best and the brightest in gaming for the week. Alongside me to do that is Matt Kyle. What's up, Matt? Hey. Um, I did manage to get to play Pac-Man 99 this week, and oh, I, pretty much, I pretty much agree with you. I think it is the best of the three. Yeah, I got um, some pushback in the show comments about that. Some people said yeah, that I they- saw. Um, I I just don't like Tetris very much, so like I'm kind of biased already. But like, no, I I have definitely played Pac-Man '99 more than the other two combined at this point. Yeah, one person commented that uh, they win Tetris '99 all the time, and they didn't think it was luck at all. I don't get it because you can be playing. And you can have your screen all the way to the bottom, and someone just attacks you, and it literally fills all the way up, and you just lose. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe there's some secret to it. Some, I've been some people it for a are long way time. better at Tetris than we are. That's all there I, is to I that. I mean, but I'm telling you, Matt, I'm at the bottom. Like I have no rows. Right, and, but I know people who can deal with that. You mean with I the can. whole screen filling up at oh, yeah. once? Yeah, they have strategies for that. Like I've seen people get out of that. I mean, like, I've got I out of it but... like one out of a hundred times or yeah. whatever. But I mean, there is an element of luck to it. But like, if you're really good and know exactly what you can do with those pieces, like four moves down the line, no matter what other piece you get after it, like you can do it. I just, I'll, ne- I never will. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, there's Uh-oh. a PS3 controller. <laughs> uh, the other thing of this week is I got this, which is what is uh, oh, a soundtrack for ActRaiser. Soundtrack for ActRaiser. Um. It's like a symphonic one and the original the original one. Uh, original soundtrack plus a symphonic re-recording from 2018 and the CD. And then uh, it came with this little uh, card signed by Yuzo Koshiro, uh, which you only got if you're one of the first 250 people. And wow. the art is the art on the on the albums and on this are by his sister, uh, Ayano Koshiro, who also did a bunch of uh, art design for uh, the East games. Are you going to frame that that art? I'll probably do something with it, yeah. Um, it's a it's a traditional like Japanese. I can't remember the name of the name of what this is. It's a, like a sh- shiseki or something like that. Mm. Uh, but it's yeah, a traditional maybe. sort of like autograph card sign like equivalent thing. Um, so I'm gonna I gotta look up like what how those are usually displayed, and I'll probably do that with it. Whatever you do to to frame it that way. Um, but they're really it's really good. I mean, Actraiser is one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. Musical Shiro is one of my favorite game composers of all time. Uh, Actraiser and Streets of Rage Two are probably like top five of all time soundtracks for me. Um, so it's, it was pretty cool. It was made by a French company, not sold here. Uh, they got, they were able to ship it out to me. So uh, I'm pretty happy with that. I've been waiting for that for, for a while. International shipping takes a while these days. Yeah, for sure. Every All kinds of shipping takes forever these mm-hmm. days. USPS. Yeah. It took three weeks for me to get a birthday card from Florida. Three mm-hmm. weeks to get a birthday card. <laughs> And um, uh, if you don't already, Yusuke Shiro is a good follow on Twitter. Like, he's very funny. Yeah, he's got a lot of, like, he does, like, cool behind-the-scenes, like, background stuff. Or, like, he posts, like, art and, like, concept stuff he finds in his, like, garage and stuff and closet and stuff. But it's like, oh, here's, here's, like, designs my sister drew for Streets of Rage characters that (laughs) no one's ever seen before. Uh, And he's pretty funny, too. Like, he's he's, he's a good... uh, He's a good follow. Well, we're good follows too, Matt. And you can yeah. find, you can find but, me on Twitter at Dinfire. 
Um, and you can find Matt on Twitter at mkyle. That's M-K-E-I-L. And you can find Sifted on Twitter at Sifted Games. And that's very handy if you're not one of our patrons or subscribers and you want to know when our content goes up for free on our YouTube channel. Uh, if you're listening to this show out on the wilds of the internet on any of the like six or seven podcast services it's on and you'd like to support us, head to patreon.com slash sifted. Uh, before we get going, we've already had a bunch of Twitch Prime. Uh, David5807, thank you. McWomble, thank you. Hope you're doing well, man. Uh, Corey Film, thank you for Twitch Prime. We've already hit level one of the hype train. The show's just getting started. Um, and I also want to mention, um, we got a huge donation from Sifter Stealthy this week. Uh, I'm not going to share how much it was, but he gave us a big chunk of money. Uh, and I just want to say that I really appreciate and I want to thank him personally uh, for the donation. And if you're interested in donating, maybe you don't want to subscribe. You don't like, a lot of people don't like services, Matt. <laughs> like they don't want to put their credit card in mm-hmm. for services or for whatever reason. If you're one of those people and you just want to help us out and just give us a one-time donation, you can head to sifted.net slash donate. Or if you want something for your money, you can buy one of these awesome T-shirts, the Sifted Army T-shirt. We have another design available, too. You can get all our merch at sifted.net slash store. Um, pretty slow week in games, Matt, as far as game mm-hmm. releases. Uh, some pretty big stories, however, that we're going to talk about in today's show. But I think relief is just around the corner. We have a couple big games coming real soon. Returnal. Uh, the new Resident Evil Village is coming. We're going to talk about that in today's show. Mm-hmm. And overall, May is looking a lot better than uh, April and March were. In fact, this yeah. whole beginning of this year has been really kind of bleh. Well, I also, I'll also throw out a game that I haven't gotten to play yet, but um, I like what I see. I'm waiting. To, I have to wait to play it. But it's called uh, Before Your Eyes. It's an indie game. Uh, and essentially, I don't want to say too much about it because part of the appeal is the weirdness of what it is but essentially it's a game that changes it uses a webcam that's why i haven't played it because i don't have a webcam for my gaming pc i had to order one um and it doesn't run on mac which is what my laptop with the that i use for this is um basically every use the webcam and every time you blink the game changes what the game changes when you blink how does that work it's watching you blink and then it, when, while your <laughs> eyes are closed, the game changes. When you open your eyes, it's different. That seems crazy because if my eyes are tired, I blink like constantly. Yeah, well, that's part of the game. It seems like a seizure machine, maybe. <laughs> well, no, because it changes are... when you're not there. It changes when you're not looking. That seems nuts, but cool. Yeah, you could do some really cool stuff with it. So I don't. So I don't know. Rob Manuel recommended it to me and was just like, "Don't read anything about it. Just just get it." Huh. And so I, so I did, and then I'm like, oh, you need a webcam. <laughs> I, guess I, I need to read <laughs> well, that it, much. It, it makes sense. I mean, if it has um, to detect when you're blinking, you're going to need some kind well, yeah, of Yeah, but I didn't know that until I got oh, it. Oh, because, because you didn't know was, anything didn't, about I it. Said, he said, anything. don't read anything. But I don't, I don't have a webcam on my PC, so I had to get a, I had to get a cheap one so I can play that game. But oh, it's, By uh, the way, Rob Manuel, we talk cool about idea. him all the time on Game Face. You people are probably wondering who the heck Rob Manuel is. Rob worked with us at G4, um, and since then he's done all kinds of stuff. He was like a part of the gaming um program at usc he's been a big Mm -hmm. advocate for indie games um he's done a lot of stuff but anyway we talk about rob all the time and i just wanted to let you guys know who he was he was a he's a good friend of ours and a great guy Um, he's he's the indie game uh guru he kind of is he's kind of turned into that and bless his heart because i'm definitely not that that's for sure all right let's he's he's in the chat sometimes yeah yeah he watches the show pretty frequently so he might be in there um anyway Let's get on with the show. It's time to hit it. Game Phase 252. 
We're going to kick things off with another flip-flop, Matt. We seem to be talking about these at least once a month where a gaming company does something really stupid. The crowd, the the fans freak out. There's a backlash over it, and then they change right. course. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't categorize this as really stupid really? by any means. No, it's not stupid to shut down the online store of a 16-year-old game system. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, that's not stupid. Um, so you think the fans were overreacting in this case, unlike absolutely. the Xbox Live pricing debacle that Microsoft went through? Yes. Like, it's it, what are you buying? Like I, I, and look, I yeah, last week, I mean, I said I had my Vita over here and stuff. That's because I was going through the stores, you know, the store, looking through anything else I wanted to get digitally before the store shut down. And I found, like, three things. And, like, a lot of the stuff that I would want to have digitally isn't sold digitally. Metal Gear Solid 4 is disc-only. Resistance games, disc-only. Like, there's a lot of disc-only stuff that's exclusive to the play. You know, Killzone 2, disc-only. There's a lot of disc-only stuff that, like, the store is not going to help you with. Do you think maybe Um, what maybe more than fan outcry, it was people like you going to the store and buying stuff that convinced Yeah, I bet bet that was more important (laughs) than people complaining online. Yeah, it was like, holy shit, we're making all this money all of a sudden. We should hang on to this for a little while longer. I mean, they're still shutting the PSP store down because give me a break. Yeah, the Um, PSP store shuts down on July 2nd. So you still have a couple months before that. But PS3 and Vita are both going to stay open. But of course, PSP stuff all works on Vita, so it's not. If you have a Vita, you're good. What? Wait. What? You mean? What do you mean by that, though? Anything that's sold on the on the store digitally for PSP, you can play it on the Vita. It's all backwards compatible. So, but what was your point about if you have a Vita, you're good? I don't understand what you're getting at. Like you're not losing anything if you have a Vita and the PSP store shuts down because you oh, can still get all oh, that. I thought you're talking about PS3 and Vita, not PSP no. and Vita. Gotcha. Yeah, I have a PSP Go. That thing is going to basically be worthless starting on July 2nd. Um, essentially, anything that's on it is what's going to stay on it for the rest of its lifespan. Yeah, I mean, you can still download and whatever you own. Yeah, you're but... saying games that you own, you'll be able to download still, right? Yeah. And I wonder how long that'll last. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't really, as long as, I would think as long as PlayStation lasts, I mean, you know, it doesn't really cost anything for them to just have that, you know, file repositories up. Um, you never know, like things can go wrong or things, you know, things like that. You have the weird Steam stuff with Rockstar today. Or yeah. was that today? Yeah, where they released like all the DLC and everything for all. Yeah, but at first they should, all their stuff got delisted and then it all came back. And even like Midnight Club 2, which has been off Steam forever because of licensing things, was back up for like an hour. Bizarre. Um, it's weird. Like somebody hit the wrong switches a couple of times there, but then they did the thing where they all of a sudden they're like, I think it was a LA Noir and Max Payne three yeah, include all the DLC now and put out all the DLC for them, right? Yeah, all the DLC is included with them now. If you yeah. if you buy them or you, or you own them without the DLC, you have the DLC now. Yep, which is a pretty big deal, but still pretty weird. Um, yeah, it's it's a you don't really see where the motivating factor is there, but you know it's nice, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, the PSP stuff will probably stay up for you know if you have a Vita, but you know, your PSP won't be able to connect to it anymore. And um, so today, when I get home from our live stream of Game Face, we have an episode of Pactor Factor going up where the what the part of the question is. You know how he feels about the uh, the stores going down. So I'm not going to spoil what he says, mm-hmm. but I will say he does have a bit of a different perspective from us. Um, but one thing he does bring up is that this is just par for the course with Sony because when it puts out a new system, it only supports like two systems back, and when it puts yeah. out a new one, the third one back always gets cut. 
Yeah, I mean, that's not super uncommon. Like, go go try to buy something on the Wii store. Yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff is shut down, too. Yeah, you can't get you can't get online on the Xbox, original Xbox either. Like that's just how it goes, you know. Like eventually that stuff stops being supported. I would I don't even know if you can get on with the old DSi anymore. I guess my big question still is, why take them down at all? Like I just don't get it. The cost to keep that stuff up is negligible. Um, I mean, you still got to do some upkeep, I would think, um, and you got to keep the 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 you know the the store mechanism in place for it. And like, man, I gotta say, like going back to like dig through all that to like look. Oh my god, that stuff is garbage. Like that store. I mean, that store was always bad, but like, um, it's terrible. Like I was sitting there waiting for minutes and minutes and minutes for stuff to load. Um, it's really bad. And, uh, you know, if they're not going to improve it, I mean, I guess you can just leave it there and, and let it fester or whatever. But like, I've, you know, it's just, I think it's probably just a streamlining process where it's just like, okay, this, this is dead weight. So let's just get rid of it. So it's not on our to-do list anymore. Really? No, I, I haven't gone back and looked at this stuff yet because I knew that there really wasn't anything that I wanted from those right. two systems that I don't have already. Um, is it a different storefront for those systems versus what you get on PS4 and PS5? Of course, it's the PS3 store. Okay, I didn't. I mean, but why wouldn't they just roll that into their just store product so you can buy stuff for PS3 on the same store you buy the other stuff? Well, no, because the PS3 has its store app, and that's what that is. Uh, it's an app. you know that's it's the you know that you hit the PS3 store thing on the PS3 and it loads up what it always loaded up and it's fucking terrible. Well, yeah, like it's, it's old. Yeah, it's ancient. And I mean, the PS3 is already, but it's just like the whole process is the fucking nightmare. Like, you know, I, I bought like, uh, what I, I bought the Metal Gear HD collection and I bought uh, digital copies of Infamous 1 and 2 because I didn't have digital copies of those. Um, and like a couple other things, a couple uh, like, you know, indie things that didn't have disc equivalents that I didn't have yet. Um, and so I got, I got all those and um, some PS1 stuff, uh, Vagrant Story. Um, stuff like that, you know, stuff. Uh, I old think stuff that I didn't is what have. I would be interested in more than anything. Is yeah, PS1 I mean, that was that was definitely what I was checking. I had I, I had the Suikoden's, and I had uh, I got a couple of a couple of Atlas things like the Persona, like Persona Three uh, Portable, and uh, uh, a digital copy of Persona, Persona Four Golden, stuff like that. Uh, the original Persona Innocent Sin and Eternal uh, Eternal judgment is that what it was you know the the, the you know, persona stuff that i didn't have digital copies of even though i had physical copies just i just wanted to have like a second backup of it sort of thing mm -hmm. and they were cheap so it didn't matter uh but also you know it look you know i went to go down you go to download everything you got to hit the download and it's like pulls up the download thing and you got to hit download in background and they have to sit there and wait like two minutes while it like prepares the download to let you do other things instead of just staring at it for two hours because the download speed is so slow. And then after I, so I to download all those things, so like the three Metal Gear games in the HD collection and the two infotuses and like the PS, a couple PS2 games and a couple PS1 games that took 14 hours. Wow. I like left it overnight. The See, PS3 and, and then to install it all, like installing like the, the big ones, like the Metal Gears and the infamouses, like, it was like an hour to install those things <laughs> each. And, and and the system can't do anything else. While, so as I just hit it, I turn the TV off, go do something else, come back and check. That, the PS3 was on for like two and a half days straight wow. doing this. Like See, it's, I, it's I a nightmare. I packed away my PS3 and my Vita at this point. So I really thought that at this point you could just go buy 
games for those systems on the same store as PS4 and PS5. Oh, no. I don't know why you think that. They haven't updated those stores in forever. On I haven't used my PS3 in like five years, six years. Like, I wouldn't remember. Yeah, it so why would that? What, I, wouldn't remember, so? I didn't remember it was a standalone app. I don't remember that oh, yeah. at all. Yeah. I just I mean, assumed that I like the store was a store and it just connects like through like basically a hidden browser. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. It's wow. it's all That's it's all dumb. each platform. It's in the same way the Vita and the PS3 have totally different stores when you load them. It's, you know, it's all the front end is different, um, and the front end I guess can only move as fast as the front end was designed to move. Like I I, I would assume that if you wanted to put the work into it, you could make the PS3 store a lot better, a, a better experience. And then of course it's doubly screwed because they removed the ability to buy PS3 and Vita stuff from the web version of the store. So you have to go through the systems. You can't just buy it online and then go have, you know, go to the download section on the PS3 and just I say, I want this, 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 this. You got to go through all the, the store crap to get I mean, it. They, they might have had a more viable market if they had actually moved all that stuff over to the normal store. Instead of making yeah, or people just jump left it on the website. Like, like hell, if I, I would have probably just gone through the website, right. clicked on the stuff I wanted, bought it, and then never turned the fucking system on. Right, exactly. You know, like, that's just yeah. free money for them, you know? Like, so I don't know why they did. And for a while, they had like a there was like a backdoor link you could use to get still get into the PS3 section, but they shut that down like two years, like last year, last March or something. So when do you think um, they're going to shut these down for good? Because there's a gold rush right now, um, right? Which may stop now that they've announced that they're not taking the stores down. But uh, I think I think this this buys uh, probably buys them like another two years. Two years, wow. I thought maybe end of the year, honestly. No, they're not going to do that that fast. They're going to be they're they're going to be like. They're going to leave it and hope people forgot in two years. Huh. Interesting. That's my guess. One year is not enough time because it just feels like you're stalling. Two years feels like enough time to sort of let that cool off and be like, okay, we're just going to quietly do that. And everybody's playing their PS5 and PS5 is like going strong. And like, I feel like that's, that's how you're going to do that. And maybe they can have like some kind of, Part of the problem I think that people had with it was like, you know, there's still stuff on the PS3 that there's no good way to play anywhere else. You know, like if I were Sony, I'm like, okay, we'll leave the store up and then we'll work on getting the PS3 stuff that's stuck on PS3 playable on the other system, you know, on a modern system. So that if we shut, go to shut it down and people complain, we're like, well, you can play all this stuff. You can play Metal Gear Solid 4 and, and the Resistance games and all that and the Killzone collection on PS5 now or on PlayStation Now or on whatever they call them if they relaunch it as some as kind of a Game Pass thing. Like just say, like, oh, that's all there for you to play now on a PS5 and PS4, so you, you, do, you don't really need a PS3 anymore. Um, not that I would get rid of my PS3, but like that, I, I yeah, feel like that would be my it move. Plays all the backwards compatible stuff. So if I really cared about people's opinion on, on this subject, that would be what I do is like I, I would keep the stores in place to buy myself time to come up with a solution for moving the stuff that's trapped on those systems forward to the modern systems. It is pretty crazy watching the B-roll for Vita, though, because it's a crazy system. Like, it does. It is. Like, I had forgotten half of the stuff that it does. Like, it's amazing. But Pactor, in the new episode that goes up today, he uses a phrase that I think is very appropriate, and that is over-engineered. Mm-hmm. It just, it was too much, which made it too expensive. And a lot of the features, like, again, I forgot it even had a lot of these features. Like, 
It and showed the AT&T thing there. I had totally forgotten there was, like, the mobile version that was yeah, connected have to, a like, mobile, cellular yeah, networks. Yeah, you like a cell phone version. <laughs> like, the touch is just everything's a touch-sensitive thing. The back is ridiculous. The back has a touch. You know, who gives a shit? Um, it's it's just weird. And you know, I, I will say, you know, loading it up, I'm, I'm once again, even all these years later, impressed by how gorgeous that screen is. It is. I mean, it's an LED um, screen. Again, yeah. which makes it really expensive, so. And all, yeah, it just pops. Like, it pops in a way that nothing, no, nothing you know, even the switch doesn't maybe the new switch will with the oled but yeah. like there's a vibrancy to the venus screen it's just like nothing else yeah it looks like an expensive kit i mean it really does mm-hmm. it, it you know you when you get when you pay the money for it you never felt ripped off when you started messing no around with it, the it felt like hardware that cost what it cost for sure the problem was that then you had to spend another hundred bucks on the stupid memory card thing to save anything yep um that was really one of the big deals is like if you want to sell me a you know a proprietary memory format that you intend to gouge me on, you got to sell me that system cheaper. That just doesn't work anymore. I mean, no, nobody's. I mean, it didn't go work then that. either. Like, it didn't work. Did, yeah, I mean, but that's when it was kind of transitioning away from quote unquote proprietary yeah. memory cards. Right, and it's just like Sony wouldn't let go of that stuff, and it's you know, I mean, yeah, you need like an, an external, a separate like you know micro SD card to, to do like 3ds or like Switch saves, but it's like I can get those for like 19 bucks on sale on Amazon. Yeah, they're like SD the problem, cards. You can get them anywhere, yeah. and you can use the that problem SD card was that Sony else. wanted to do this. Yeah, Sony did the the proprietary thing and would not give us a break on it. Yeah, which is and never shame. did. I mean, I'll be honest, I never built a relationship with my Vita. Like, I don't have any affinity for it, other than respecting the fact that Sony went crazy in creating the ultimate handheld. Like, I don't have an affinity for it really at all. Like, I probably spent less than 100 hours playing my Vita, I would guess. Oh, yeah, way less. I mean, I, I played Persona 4 Golden, and I played Uncharted, and I played... Ninja Gaiden and Shinobi Do 2, and that was about it. I think I played through Suikoden 1 on it when they first started putting up PS1 classics, and that was, like, it. Yeah, there just weren't enough exclusive games for it. And the strategy of putting console games on a handheld, despite what Nintendo has done with the Switch, generally has not worked. I mean, it was the same strategy that PSP tried, um, and it Mm -hmm. had more success than Vita, but I think it was also a little more user-friendly, although it also use proprietary memory cards from Sony, but they were a lot cheaper. Yeah. Um, and I've been discovering those over the last couple of months as I've been like putting stuff back. So I've been like reorganizing my closets and like all the containers under my bed that hold all my gaming stuff. And I've just come across all these little nostalgia things. Like I last mm-hmm. week I dug out my GameCube um, and it works now. I put it in the closet like years ago, and it wouldn't read discs. I pull it out, and it works fine. I have no idea how it fixed itself in the closet because it wouldn't read discs for like months. Like I didn't give up on it. I'm like, ah, it's just a quirk or whatever. I clean the lens. I'm like, something's gonna fix it, and nothing ever did. And then I put it in the closet for like five years, and I pull it out, and it works again. <laughs> it's really bizarre. But anyway, I've been just like doing that stuff, like reorganizing closets and packing stuff away, like my. PS3 and my Vita and my PSP Go. And so I've been coming across all these things that remind me of some of the stupidity from the past, not just from Sony, but from a lot of different publishers and uh, platform holders. But it's been a nostalgic trip, to say the least. But as far as the Vita goes, man, I just... I never really built a relationship with it. I'm not really sad to see it go. Like, you know, when I heard the the stores were going away and everyone's, like, rushing to go buy stuff, I'm like... What? What are you buying? Like, unless you haven't bought anything mm-hmm. in, in, with your Vita since you've had it, like, 
I don't know. I know a lot of people like it for homebrew because it ended up getting jailbroken and people use it for emulators and stuff like that. And like I said, and like we both said, it's a great piece of hardware. But And the battery life was always an issue, and they did improve that eventually with kind of revisionist models of it. But I just never spent enough time with it to really kind of build a relationship with it like I do with most platforms. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I, I, the, I kind of feel that way about the PS3 a little bit, too. Yeah, because um, it was cause only like, for like first party games for me. Yeah, that's a, there was a thing on uh, Reset Era where somebody was saying like, oh, yesterday, I think it was yesterday was like the anniversary of like 10 years ago or whatever when the, the PSN outage happened. Mm-hmm. It was down for like wow. two weeks or ten whatever. Years, huh? Remember that? <laughs> yeah, I remember. Um, and like, it was interesting years. to me how many responses in that thread were like, oh, I only used the PS3 for like you know, playing Sony stuff. So like, I didn't even notice except that there were news stories about it. Yeah. And the, like the P my PS3 controller, like started drifting like really early, mm-hmm. like literally the, the controller I got with my system started drifting. And it was, this is before I even knew what it was like eight months after I got my PS3. Like I, I remember I was playing like a Jack and Daxter game or something and I put the controller down and he kept walking on the screen. And I was like, what is going on? I'm like, mm-hmm. and I had never even, I don't think controller drift had even been a thing yet at that point. And I had to yeah, buy it wasn't common one. except on a couple of, like, bad Dreamcast controllers. Yeah, so that was my first introduction to yeah. Stick Drift. Speaking this of which... This is, uh, well, the thing that dropped, it fell over early when I reached for the Actraiser thing. This is the, uh, that's my original DualShock. Wow. From, uh, that was, this is a Japanese one, because uh, when, because you know, remember, they came out, and it was just a six-axis with no rumble, so you had to get yeah. a new controller if you wanted rumble, so... Uh, I decided to get a Japanese one because it came out first ah. um, there, I think. And so I imported this one, and it is still going. Yeah, they did improve the controller eventually um, to where it didn't drift as quickly as it did. But you know what, Matt? Yeah. Like, I'm still having problems with my Joy-Cons. Like, they can't fix it. Like, did you see that, like, iFixit video where they explain why it's never going to be fixed unless all these manufacturers stop getting parts from this same supplier? Because it's just no, but that sounds familiar. I mean, it's just not going to stop. And for whatever reason, the switch, man, like I've had problems with my Joy Cons from day one. Like, I don't know if you remember, for the longest time, I couldn't get my right Joy Con to ever connect to my switch. Yeah, I remember that. I've now sent that right Joy Con in twice to be repaired, and now it's starting to get drift again. So, Hmm. and Nintendo, there's a class action lawsuit against Nintendo for it. Nintendo's put out statements about it, but it can't say much because there's a class action lawsuit. Like, Ultimately, these these companies are all going to have to find a supplier who can make a, an apparatus inside the controller that will last longer. Because the ones that they're using right now, there's just a fixed number of times you can use it before they start to falter. And that's just the way it is. So um, I kind of hoped, you know, the PS5 using that same tech. I really hoped that, like, the new controllers with PS5 and Xbox Series would move to new hardware. But nope, they're using the same ones as well. Xbox Elite controllers, crazy expensive controllers, they're using the same mechanism inside them. And they have problems with drift. And they have a class action lawsuit against them. Like, yeah. Well, I'm, you know, having two Elite controllers, uh, I can tell you that one uh one works way better than the other at this oh. point um meaning the, uh, how what way meaning the uh like i i talked before about how uh you can tell there's a difference in how the analog stick works on uh King, kingdoms of amalur of all things uh one of them uh is normal when you run around with it and the other if you cl- if you go to run and you try to angle the character to the left it will stop running it will cancel the run somehow because of some some way that switch works way too expensive uh, and then, for that to be happening and then the uh, on one that same one with that has the that doesn't run that doesn't move to the left properly that way uh the a button is sticking now 
That's um, and I mean, granted, it's it's like four years old. Still, but, uh, that controller that money, is expensive you, as hell. Yeah, and there's no way to fix. Like, I'd have to pull it apart and figure out what's sticking on the. You know, the I the A button, like it's internal. The sticking is internal. It's something inside. It's not like I got like soda on it or something. It's just, you know, I did. It's uh, something inside is is has ground down and isn't is sticking. It, it's a uh, it's when you, oh, I press it and it takes a second to pop back up. Um, you know, you know, anyone who's had a sticky the, button the knows click that when you press down, yeah, it, it just doesn't pop up as, you know, the springiness is gone. Basically this so probably needs a new spring. Meanwhile, my N64 controllers still work fine. Yep. At least yeah, the I mean, ones I was, that I haven't ground uh, into dust. <laughs> I've been playing, uh, uh, Saturn stuff with my, you know, 25 year old Saturn controller from nights and it Analog works fine. Still fine. Yeah. I mean, look, but, N64 know, those... controllers had a shelf life too, but I beat the tar out of those things playing. Mario Kart 64, the power slide is going ding 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 for hundreds of hours. And sure, Mario Party, you look like doing Mario Party where you put your palm on it. We're at the end of like a Mario Party game, you just like blow all the dust out of the analog. That happens, but those controllers still work. In fact, I liked my N64 controller that I got with my system the most, the gray one that I got with it. Because mm-hmm. the stick was so loose, I could just power slide in Mario Kart like a beast. So yeah, yeah. it's a different I, I, kind I of wearing ha- out. But I didn't do that. With the analog stick on my my pack-in controller eventually stopped working right, so I got a black one, and that black one I still use today. Like it's it's yeah, yeah, like you works. said, it's 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 not it's looser, but it's like it's not like it's bad. It's like it's broken in. Yeah, it's my, like my it's like you controllers know all still brand new basically, yeah. and it's all like. Yeah. It's like you use another N64 controller and it doesn't feel right because you're used to the weird quirks of how that one you <laughs> use forever. Where it's, it's like everyone's own controller was very personal. I would take my gray one to my friend's houses yeah. to play. I would pack oh, yeah. it in my bag yeah. with my records and I would go over there and I'd plug it into their N64. Mm-hmm. It's pretty funny. But it's all different now. Everyone's using the same parts. And so if those parts are bad, it's all going to be bad. It kind of It's kind of like last year I got for Christmas this past year, I got a 4K receiver to route mm-hmm. everything into so I could just send one HDMI 2.1 cable up into my new TV. And uh, they had a bad, it had a bad chipset in it for HDMI 2.1. And every receiver that was re- released last, last year used that same chipset, and none of them can pass through 4K 120. So I ended up returning my Christmas gift, my big gift that my wife got me for Christmas last year. I'm waiting for the new ones to come out. And they're saying that they're using a new chipset, so it looks like I'm, I'll be getting a receiver here in the next three months or something like that. So um, it sounds like they fixed it, but it doomed a whole year of receiver releases for all the major companies. So, you know, it's not unique to gaming. It happens all over electronics, but uh, it's a bummer. And um, hopefully something they'll get fixed, like they find a better part supplier for this stuff, but it is what it is. So anyway, rest in peace, Vita, or really rest in peace, PSP. It's done. Um, Mm. And Matt, you think two years, I think, quicker than that because what i think is going to happen is this gold rush is going to subside everyone going rushing to get these games especially now that they've announced that it's like going to be extended or whatever and i think the sales are going to flatline and sony will wait like six months something like that and they'll be like okay i think we're in the clear now because at that point if you haven't went and got the stuff like you're not going to go get it like yeah i think it's too that's too soon like they it doesn't like you're right in that that's how the statistics will play out. But if they do that, everyone's be like, see, they were lying. It was just, they're just barely waiting to, to, 
to pull it. It's, they're just going to get more bad press from that. So I think they're going to wait a substantial amount of time for a cooling off period and then try to pull the plug again. And hopefully in like a year and a half, two years, nobody cares anymore. Yep. Could be. I don't know why anybody cares now, I frankly. Either, but, I don't, but I don't begrudge anyone for it. Maybe somebody just got a Vita or something and they're like, oh man, I just bought this thing. And now I just got this for $5 at a garage sale. What am I, <laughs> what am I going to play on it? I, holding on to a Vita might be a good idea though. Um, because they didn't sell too many of them in the U.S., and so mm. they might be worth some money eventually. So I would not recommend selling your Vita. I would hold on to that sucker and take as good a care of it as you can. Like, mine's already packed up, all wrapped up in its protective wrapping. I always keep all the packaging when I get systems. That way, when I'm done with them, I can pack them right back mm. up, and they look brand new. Um, 20, 30 years from now, that Vita might be worth a little bit of cash. So make sure you keep, keep a hold of it. Don't sell it. Uh, all right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about something that makes me very excited, Matt. As an older gamer, who sometimes feels like he's on an island, because I'll just tell you, at my age, when I talk to people and they discover that I really love games and I'm really into games and I have a company that's a gaming company and I review games and I do podcasts about games, they look at me a little cockeyed. Still, after all this time, there's still kind of this stigma around, like, at a certain point, you got to move on. I think particularly for people our age... It's like people look at us, there's like no way people that age play games. Well, the good news for us and for the industry in general, I would argue, is that we are not alone, Matt. We are not on an island. Gaming among people our age is essentially exploding right now. Um, There was a report this week uh, based on a study from Global Web Index who talked to 19,500 people, and they discovered that gamers age, and this is actually even far out of our age range, Gamers aged 55 to 64 has grown 32% since 2018. They also found um, that 24% of grandparents see games, playing games, as family time. So Mm -hmm. we're slowly seeing the stigma, the stereotypes about gaming being blasted away. Um, And you might guess, well, how much did the pandemic have to do with it? It did have a lot to do with it. Um, and really the big boost is in mobile gaming. Um, MPD reported that the number of mobile gamers rose 17% year over year in 2020. And anecdotally, I would say that that's probably accurate because most of my friends who are my age who play games or still play games are mobile gamers. Um, mm-hmm. Like when I talked to Pactor before or after we record Pactor Factor, we're just having just a conversation as friends or whatever. He never talks about console games that he plays. He always talks about mobile games. And a big part of that is that a lot of the mobile companies he's responsible for at Wedbush. Um, so he has to know what they're doing, and he kind of has to play their games to see how they're monetizing them. And then if you once you learn how one company does it, when you're looking at another company, you're like, are they following best practices for that? Is it going to work? Is it not good? So I get why he plays a lot of mobile games, but he does. Like, he still doesn't have a PS5. He's still really pissed off that Sony hasn't sent him one. Mm-hmm. Every time we record, he goes on that tirade. Like the fr- I let him, I left it in the show the first time, um, but now I cut them out because people have got it. Like he's mad that Sony didn't send him a PS5. But every time he complains about it, and I don't know if it's become like this rebellious thing where he's like, "I'm just not going to play console games because they don't care about me, so I'm not going to care about them, and I'm going to play my mobile games." I don't know. But I think more it's a mixture of the fact that he enjoys mobile gaming. And he's tried to get me to play, like, yeah. Empire. He can also public. afford it. Yeah, he can He can afford it. And he's a whale. He can, he can whale the hell out of and it. And he is a whale. Like, for instance, he's tried to get me to play Empires and Puzzles 
50 times, maybe more. <laughs> I can't tell Matt, he's so desperate for me to play the game that he has offered to give me $200 and deposit it in my account so I can buy, like, Warriors or whatever. <sighs> and then the crazy part is he's been talking to Brent, our old site architect, the guy who built mm. Sifted, and now Brent is like hitting me from the side. He's like <laughs> he's flanked me, and he started to come at me about Empire. And it's just like it's a match three game. Like I've yeah. played a million of these games. Like Pactor like tries to sell it to me. I'm like Pactor, man. Like have you ever played Puzzle Quest, bro? Like did you miss that whole thing like 11 years ago when it match three was actually kind of fun and cool? What was the other one we played at uh, X Play Zoo Keeper? Remember we used to play yeah, that head-to-head on, like, the yeah. DS or whatever? Everybody would sit around and play it. Like, I've went through that, bro. Like, I've done the match three thing. But anyway, the data does seem to back up that a lot of these older players are, in fact, playing mobile games. How do you feel about that, Matt? Do you think that really is a an accurate reflection on the gaming industry to say, oh, you know, 32% increase for 55 to 64 in gaming? Or do you look at mobile gaming as kind of like this other thing? I mean, it's a it's a third pillar, I would say, of the industry. Like, I don't think of it as the same kind of games, really, because uh, I don't play a lot of them. Um, you know, I, I think I, try, you know, mobile, but... I think of mobile and PC and console, basically. Okay, um, those are kind of the three things. One at one point there would have been a handheld as well, but that's obviously gone outside of you know what the Switch can do. Um, uh, and, you know, obviously the Switch is a handheld system, but like I, you know, it's not the same thing as like a 3DS that's dedicated to that. You're you're always dealing with console games on that thing, mm-hmm. um, and mobile. Like Switch is kind of the the mid the, the mid ground there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I, do you, like, do you think tried, it ever I've converts people into like, console players? Like ever? What? No, but I don't think it has to. Like I don't think that's the point. Um. Yeah, the mobile I games think are mobile point games. For us, because we want more money coming in, so that people create games that we want to play. Well, that's a separate thing. Like, I don't expect people who are playing mobile games to one day suddenly just decide to play God of War. Really? Um, no. To so answer my question, it, it, you don't think it does bring people over? Not in any appreciable amount, and I don't expect it to. And I don't think that it's a failure of mobile games to not do that. I think mobile games are mobile games, in the same way that I'm not like. <sighs> Like I don't expect someone who enjoyed Infinity Avengers Infinity War to suddenly turn around and start watching Truffaut. You know, like it's mm-hmm. like like yeah, they're both movies, but they're for different audiences and for different reasons. And you can enjoy both of them just you know totally easily, uh, totally fine. But like I don't expect one to get you to the other necessarily. Um, and that's not a judgment on someone who likes one or the other. It's it's just saying it's just how it is. Um, mobile games are a giant thing, and they are what they are, and that's just how it's going to be. Why do you uh, and think I don't mobile th- fails to bring people over to console gaming? Well, it doesn't fail to. It's just not. That's not what it's for. It's not like it's a, it, that's it's its own kind of game. Like, why do, okay, I'll rephrase it. Why do mobile games not bring people over to console gaming? Well, why would they? Because they're video games, and maybe people after they get a taste of stuff on mobile, they may want the real thing. It's like a to game them, mobile drug. games. To them, mobile games are the real thing. But they're not. Like, I would argue they are. No, to them way. they are, but they're not. In reality, they're not. I mean, console games. Well, in reality, they are. Console in reality, gaming they is way are. more in depth, way more complex. It's graduating up from mobile gaming. The I don't agree with that are way at all. Better. Well, controls are way better, but controls are more complex. But uh, they're just two different flavors of the same medium. I don't. I don't. 
I don't, I don't hold with the, the weird sort of uh, looking down on mobile games thing. I don't play them, really. I don't look down like, on them either, and I don't look down on people that play them. I would just think that at least a percentage... You just said you have to graduate to console games. That's a condescending way to phrase that. Well, it is that. graduating, though, Matt. It, the, I don't agree with that. They're more complex. I don't, it's just like school. Like, you graduate from high school and go to college. College is more complex. It's not school. It's enjoyment. If you enjoy playing stupid shit like those match three games, then fine. I'm not going to... You, you don't have to get more complex from that. Like... Like that's that's what you enjoy doing. It's what you enjoy doing. Like if you want to read trashy romance novels, I'm not going to force you to read James Joyce's Ulysses because you're not reading what you could be reading. Like that's it's just it's a it's a hobby. You can do whatever you want. Like I don't get it. Like I don't understand why anybody want to play. Was it Emp- empires and puzzles? Yeah, <laughs> empires and puzzles. Like I you know like you said, I played all those. You know, I don't think mobile games. Ninety nine percent of the mobile games I've ever played, I don't think are fun to play. Like I don't enjoy playing them. Like I, if, I don't either. I've tried thing, so many. Yeah, the only thing that holds me into playing a mobile game tends to be theme. You know, like the the match three games I played have all been like Marvel and Ghostbusters and like the when you know that that trend where everything was a two D like a half ass two D fighter. Yep. Uh, like I played the Transformers one and the Marvel one and the, and the infamous uh, the uh, Injustice one. Like you know, I played all those. Um, but I didn't really enjoy playing them. It was more like, oh, it's a Transformers fighting game. This is the best I'm ever going to get kind of thing. Um, but yeah, like it's just, you know, and then after like, you know, two weeks, I sort of forget to open it again. And, you know, then three months later, I'm like, I need more room on my phone. I, I guess it? I'll just delete yeah. this thing. I've never, I haven't played in three months. Because they also you know, take up a lot of space. They do. Yeah. yeah and that's like- sort of, that's just sort of how mobile games has gone for me. I haven't played a new mobile game in. Hmm. <laughs> years yeah i mean like I, I every once in a while if i'm like out somewhere and that doesn't happen very often anymore because no one's out anywhere yeah. anymore um but when i used to be out like sometimes i would play a match or two of like call of duty mobile when i was out like waiting for my wife to come mm-hmm. out of a store in the mall or something but yeah. i haven't done any of that like i haven't op- i haven't opened pokemon go and i can't tell you how long I, I used to i used to play pokemon go in line at like disneyland but obviously that doesn't happen anymore yeah. um and then like uh i get the other thing is like I'm more and more reticent to open a game on my phone to, you know, back when we used to be places where we had to waste time because more and more of those games suck so much power out of the phone that I don't want to run out of batteries if I need to use it, you know, as a phone. Um, You know, if I'm out somewhere where I don't, I can't just stop and plug in somewhere for an hour. Like, uh, you know, to me, they're just, they're just power drains. And then like, if I'm home and I have, I want to play a game, I'm not going to choose a game on my phone. Like it's like, it's just, I, there's just no place for them in, in my daily life really uh, for something that I don't find, you know, if I found one that for some reason was like super fun, like, like, um, um, what was that one? That exactly one puzzle game. Like, um, no, um... I can't remember the name of it. It was like monolith. <laughs> Mon- monolith something it was like a puzzle game like a three-quarters yeah, puzzle monument game valley or whatever monument valley yeah. that's like if, if if that lasted like 40 hours you like i would i would play that more regularly but those the good ones don't the good ones are over in like two hours and then like the ones that keep you playing forever are just like weird permutations of columns or bejeweled so i would i would actually argue that i think mobile could be a trojan horse to get people into console gaming but the reason I don't think it does is because I think the people who play mobile games don't care about gaming that much. I think they know what it is. They know there's console games out there that are more complex. Mm-hmm. I think they don't want that. I think they want right. quick, short They enjoy diversions. what mobile games are. Also, mobile games don't want to do that for the most part because they want you to play the mobile games. <laughs> like, that's right. where they make their money. Like, you know, like, you know, whatever the, whatever the, I can't even remember the names, you know, like, like 
pop cap, whatever, who, who the, who the hell makes big mobile games now? I don't remember <laughs> the people who make Ebony or whatever the, you know, clash of clans, or whatever, don't want you moving on to like, you know, civilization six or age of empires three remastered. They want you to keep playing clash of clans, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't think that the developers would intentionally try to turn their games into a Trojan horse. I just think that it could happen, but Honestly, I just think people that play mobile games are happy because the system's mm. free. They already have the phone. And Somewhat. so they don't it's have to like, spend an extra $500 to play the games. It's just there. Somewhat. It's also just some people just don't want to, you know, a lot of those people don't want to make a big deal out of, you know, setup stuff and have a console in the house. And, you know, like my mom doesn't play mobile games, but she did play uh, DS and 3DS games for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, she tended to play strategy games and, like, you know, like, uh, um, mysteries actually like to Phoenix Wright and um, like the Hotel Dusk and uh, puzzle stuff. Um, but she would never have a console because she just that's just not what she does. It's not what she wants. She wants to lay on the couch and have a little thing in her hand where she does like crossword puzzles or or uh, solves mysteries and in things like that. And uh, that's it. Like she doesn't want the bigger experience. It's not what interests her about it. Yeah. So that's just sort of how it goes. Yep. So, um, so kind of circling back to the topic of this discussion, which is older people now playing games, do you think that maybe the number is even bigger, that the vast majority of these people who are supposedly now gamers are really mobile gamers? Um, I guess. I mean, I think a vast chunk of or what we players. would call gamers are, mo- are mobile gamers. Um, yeah. It seems so- like we're in the minority now. Like there's more mobile players than console players. I mean, theoretically, I guess there's, you know, I don't, I don't know. Like I know early on there was like, there was a lot of like pressure from like consoles, console and PC players to keep the mobile game population separate when you estimated how many gamers there were. But like, I think that battle is lost and rightly so. Um, They're all just games. I don't care. I don't care what you're playing them on. I don't care if it's Empire and Puzzles or Stellaris. Like, you're still playing a video game. I mean, I do um, care because I would rather them be playing PlayStation, Xbox, or Nintendo games because then those companies make more money and they make more games for people like us. So I'd, ra- I'd rather people enjoy themselves. I mean, I'm not going to be like – I'm not like the person who meets a friend. He's like, oh, yeah, I've been playing this turn-based RPG on my cell phone. And I'm like, oh, you idiot. Like, you should be playing whatever. Mm-hmm. But I will say, like, oh, well – there's this game I've been playing that's a lot like that on my PlayStation 5 or my – I present the option to them. Um, right. But they're usually not interested. If, if you'd like to spend a mere $600 <laughs> exactly. after getting not, lucky enough to get a pre-order on a non-existent retail item. Yeah. Uh, and it is a hard sell. I mean it is a hard sell for people that are happy playing mobile games. And I mm-hmm. do think that – That's the real trick is that like everybody's already got the device. Yeah. Like that's why it's so big is like it's already in your pocket. That's what I was saying. You don't saying. need to sell anyone. You're going to have a cell phone no matter what. And it just so happens that it also plays games. And it just so mm-hmm. happens that those games are starting to get pretty good. Like you can't see it, but we're watching B-roll of Call of Duty Mobile right now. And like if you watch a B- the B-roll of this game, it's hard to tell the difference between like this and whatever I'm playing in, in Cold War right now. So – you know, the line is starting to get a little bit blurrier, and I think it's just going to be even more difficult as time goes on to convince people that it's worth spending $600 on a console if they have this thing in their pocket that they're going to have anyway, um, and they're just playing games on that. So uh, one thing I will say before we move on is if you are an older gamer, and man, if you're in that 55 to 64 group, God bless you. I'm going to be there someday. 
I'm not going to go to mobile gaming. I can tell you that much, Matt. I'll be a console gamer until the day I die. Well, the demogra- as Gen X ages into that, the de- that's going to change. You know, like yeah. we're not going to suddenly be, we're not going to suddenly turn into Clash of Clans players, wherever the yeah. hot game is now on mobile. I don't pay attention to that shit. Yeah. But, um, you know, we're still going to play our thing. I, I know, like, uh, I have a friend who's been playing games forever and he's, uh, he's our age, but like he has been stockpiling uh, JRPGs for years. Uh, and I'm like, how come you never play any of the, like the, he's going back, he's going back to like the PS2 days. And I'm like, how come you never play any of the JRPGs you buy? He's like, I'm saving those for when I'm too old to play action <laughs> to games. To play action games. That's a good idea, actually. <laughs> like, that makes sense. Uh, but what I was getting at is if you are an older player, and when I say older, I mean like 30 plus. Um, to me, that is kind of an older player in today's day and age. And you're looking for a community full of older players just like you, and you can't stand the comments on YouTube and you can't stand dealing with all the trolls on Twitter, come to sifted.net. S-I-F-T-D.net. The average user, or the average age of the user on Sifted is 37 years old. It's a bunch of adults who love games just as much as you. It's a great community, and we're waiting for you. So come on over, um, set your Sift ratings, get your custom feed of content so you're only seeing exactly what you want, save your ass a bunch of time, and come talk about games with a bunch of adults just like you. Um, so this is encouraging. Do I think that this bump is going to help Sifted? No, because as we said, most of these people are mobile players. Mobile players generally don't go online to look at information for new games. This has been a conundrum for traditional gaming websites for a long time. It's mobile gaming and esports. How do you get esports people to show up to your website? You can't. How do you get mobile gamers to show up to your website? You can't. We tried to crack that code. We... Game trailers, we did like these crazy, like we had this list of top 100 mobile games and we were going to build this product where if you're a mobile gamer and you could say, oh, well, I like Bejeweled or I like all these match three games. Well, here's all the other match three games. Or you like this turn-based RPG. Well, here's all the turn-based RPGs you might like. Nobody cares. Mobile players, just like esports fans, only care about what they're playing or the game that they Mm -hmm. really like and they like to watch. It's the same deal in both markets. Trying to drag those people to a traditional games website is pretty much a fool's errand. Um, esports, trying to cover esports, it's pointless. Everyone, if, if you're a League of Legends fan, you're going to Riot.com. That's all there is to it, and that's mm-hmm. the way it is. So um, the publisher. If you're love a it. mobile player, you are basically getting your next game recommendations from whatever pops up on the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. Yep. And, or or from the ads that you're getting in game. Yeah, ads as well. Yeah. Or like you know those ads they run on like you know football and everything they work. You know they do. That's those how Clash of Clans game blew up. Ads, it looks so cheesy and so corny. And there's still you know I still get those stupid ads for Ebony and all those things. Yeah. The thing that the ones that really bug me are the ads you get on like Facebook and stuff that are like they're like weird puzzle things where you're trying to like help somebody like not avoid the lava and get the goal. No like one can do this. Can you? Yeah. Can you? And, but like the games aren't that like they're just match three games or they're uh-huh. just like, like they have nothing. And like, and I'm kind of like, and people keep always saying in the comments. And I think there is like, you know, if someone would actually make the game, these stupid <laughs> ads to make you think the game is, you'd probably sell a lot of copies. Yeah. Cause candy crush. I mean, it's the easiest genre to create and it's the mm-hmm. genre that makes the most money. I mean, my mom will play Candy Crush. She won't play any other video game. Pac's wife will play Candy Crush. She won't play any other video game. So mm-hmm. I get it. But false advertising on social media, that's just dirty. So there you go. 
the average age of the gamers getting older, and inevitably, look, a small percentage of those mobile gamers will start playing console games. Not a lot, but some, and that's good for all of us because it just means more money into the industry or the part of the industry that we care about, which means more great games for us. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next, get my notes here, about Naughty Dog. Naughty Dog is very elusive, Matt. They don't do a lot of interviews with the traditional press. Um, in fact, very little, if any. Like, if one of their games comes out, they'll do interviews with, like, Rolling Stone and these, like, cultural magazines. They don't do a lot of stuff with the traditional press. Um, and so we rarely get a chance to ask them the hard questions or questions that we really want the answers to. When they talk to, like, a magazine or whatever, like a Rolling Stone, for example, like, Rolling Stone's not going to ask them questions like, what other games do you have in development? Is this old franchise coming back? They're going to be like... So they're going to talk about the transition from video games into the HBO show and stuff like that. So we rarely get a chance for gamers to interview Naughty Dog. That all changed this last week because Ted Price was on a panel with the co-head of Naughty Dog. And his name's eluding me right now. Is it Evan Wells? And that's Insomniac. What's the other guy that's not Neil Druckmann at Naughty Dog? Oh, um, the, you mean the president? Yeah, he's like the co-president or whatever. Um... Yeah, I forgot. His Killian? Name. I don't know. Is it, is it William Killian? No, that wasn't. Is that name. the CEO? Yeah, this is like the other co-owner or whatever. But anyway, he was on a panel with Ted Price from Insomniac, and Ted's awesome. And Ted decided to start asking him some random questions out of nowhere. I think you, I think you must mean Evan Wells. Is it Evan Wells? I thought Evan he's, was he's the, Insomniac. He's the co-president. Then it is Evan. Okay. Um, it was Evan. And he started asking questions that no one else asked Naughty Dog. Um, the first one he asked was, are you guys ever going to make another Jack and Daxter? And Matt, do you have any affinity for Jack and Daxter, like at all? Not any in any way whatsoever. I really don't either. Like I, I remember I played the first one, and I was mm -hmm. like, I was amazed by how far I could see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like I the draw all, distance was them. like a mile long, and I was yeah. like. Wow, that's cool. Naughty Dog has always had really impressive tech. It's just they didn't make a game I liked until Uncharted 1. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, I have not been a big, I was not a big Naughty Dog fan until the play, PlayStation 3 era. I think a lot mm -hmm. of people would agree with that. And they kind of ran Jack and Daxter into the ground. The games didn't innovate enough from one to the other. Then they kind of farmed out. I mean, I give them credit for, for changing it up with Jack 2. Just most people didn't like it. Yeah, because they tried to make um, it kind of a grittier game, right? Yeah, they turned it into like a darker sort of open-worldy sort of thing. Uh, there was like a weird post, almost post-apocalyptic element to it. The other problem with Jack 2 is it's incredibly difficult, and like people didn't enjoy it. The first, um, whereas, the first Jack, Jack and Daxter was kind of tough. Like it would have a lot of levels. It was, where... but it was more of a banjo ripoff. And, yeah, it was uh, the other, friendlier the, looking. Jack, Jack two and three were very Grand Theft Auto inspired in a weird way, and you know, and they had kind of that weird edgy version of Jack with the fucking soul patch. So it was like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, I remember Sessler playing that when it came Jack two when it came, and he's like, what did they do? Like, like because he loved all those all the the play you know the Sony platformers. He loved yeah. you know Ratchet and and Sly and Jack, and the Jack two came out, and he's like. What did, what did they do to the game? <laughs> it was just like very weird that they made that switch. Um, They're also, but no, I don't, I don't care about Jack and Daxter was always the also ran behind Sly and Ratchet to me. And the, the level design in those games was like archaic. Like they'd have these yeah. sections of the levels where you'd have to climb all the way up a tower. That's like literally mm -hmm. a mile high. And if you fell off one of the ledges, you go all the way back down to the ground. Just like, yep goofy stuff like that that made the games more difficult than they should be and granted that was before i mean we've kind of gone overboard now at the checkpoints i would argue 
Um, it's like at this point, yeah, but, games checkpoint you every like twenty feet. But yeah, but also the pr- problem with like Jack, Jack and Dexter one was like not only did that happen, but the problem was that then you had to play the game to get him back up there. And the problem, Jack, one of Jack and Dexter's like fatal flaws is that you know, like Mario sixty four, it's fun to just move Mario around. Yeah. Like yeah. just the act of controlling Mario is enjoyable. The act of controlling Jack is not. I'd agree with it's that. It's that simple. Yeah. Yep, it's true. Um, part of it might be because he's really tall. I mean, I, I hate to say mm-hmm. it, but it, character size makes a big difference in how mm-hmm. they feel to control. He's long and he's lanky. He has long strides. I think it limited how accurate they could make the controls feel in his games. Yeah, I don't know what the what, quite what the deal is because like you you go back to. You know, go back to Sly Cooper 1, Ratchet 1, and Jack 1. And as far as I'm concerned, Jack is by far the least impressive of the three in terms of how it controls and how it feels to play it. Like Sly and Ratchet, I mean, Ratchet doesn't quite have it nailed because they they don't, you know, they don't have the, they haven't figured out that they need to make it a shooter. You know, they need to let you use that other analog stick yet. Right? Uh, Going Commando uh, is the one that that got that, that nailed that, find the second one. Um you know, going commando is a bit of a revolution, and then it's like, oh, they they figured it out. Yeah, like it's you know, they figured out what, <laughs> yeah, what needs to be. Um, it's got platforming elements, but the shooting needs to be forefront. Um, and they're trying to make it too much of a Mario sixty four clone in the first one, so that doesn't quite work. But it feels better to play Ratchet than than it does to play Jack One. I think. Yeah, I actually went to um, Insomniac before they released the first Ratchet game. And it was like a big studio visit. No one even knew what we were going there for. They wouldn't tell us. Mm-hmm. And we showed up there, and they put us in Go a room. Go see the developers of Disruptor. Yeah, wow. like at that point, like <laughs> Insomniac wasn't a huge developer at that point. No, they only made that one PS1 game. Well, they had made um, Spyro before that. Oh, right. They did Spyro. That's right. Yeah. I always forget they started Spyro. But they had kind of disappeared. And they're like, oh, you're going to see the developer of Spyro. And I was like, Spyro's okay. All right. (laughs) And they brought us all in. It was probably only like 15 journalists or whatever into this huge room. And the whole room was full of N64s with Conker, Super Mario 64, Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tooie, like 20 kiosks set up with just the N64. And I was like, wait a minute. We're at a Sony first-party studio, and their whole studio is full of N64s. And then they debuted Ratchet for the very first time. And I will say this. It blew my freaking mind. Um, what it was doing with, like, the nuts and the bolt. I mean, at that point, like, the, just the tech alone for the game. Like, in fact, yeah. when they started that presentation, Mark Cerny started the presentation to talk about the tech behind the game because he had built the engine just for Ratchet. Mm-hmm. And then they showed us the game, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, I think you can even go back and look on Gamespot and see like my preview from that event, and it was like glowing. And I remember coming back and and like Greg Kasavin trying to tell me to tone it down, and I'm like, "I'm just telling you, dude. Like, this isn't hyperbole. Like, the game really looks this good. Like, I'm not gonna end up looking like an idiot when I publish this and people see the game. I guarantee it." And he's like, "Just tone it down." So I, I did. <laughs> he taught me a lot of valuable lessons, Greg Kasavin. I'm very thankful for having him as kind of a mentor. But anyway. Um, yeah, Ratchet, right to me, right from the get-go, was a superior game to Jack. And uh, But there are a lot of people out there that still want to see a new Jack and Daxter game. And I think a lot of people have seen what Insomniac has done with Ratchet, particularly Rift Apart, which is just looks mind-blowing right now. Um, and I think so a lot of people are like, okay, what could Naughty Dog do with something like that at this point? So Ted just straight up asked him. He was like, are you guys working on a new Jack? And he was like, no. <laughs> we are not Hell working on no. a new Jack. He's like, and I think his whole his statement was, "I know this is going to upset some fans, but no, 
We are not working on a new Jack and Daxter. And then he went on to say, unsolicited, that we're working on three projects right now, all of which are new IP. <clears throat> exactly. Hmm. That's crazy. He also admitted that they have struggled working on multiple projects at once. And that is something that they're trying to fix right now with kind of these new projects that they're working on is figuring out a way that they can manage developing multiple games at once because I'm sure they're sick of releasing a game every seven years just like everybody else is sick of them releasing a game every seven years. And I'm sure Sony's getting sick of their yeah. output as well. Um, what would you like to see Naughty Dog work on, Matt? I don't know, something new. Well, like we're I, getting that. They said it's all new yeah. stuff. But what genre would you like to see them go into outside of like the action adventure RPG-ish stuff? No, I wouldn't. Were- I want, I want them to keep doing what they're doing. Oh, really? So you want them to just yeah. keep making games in the same genre? I want them to do what they're good at, yeah. Wow. So you just want just, different I don't settings, want, I don't, different I, I joke about it, but I don't actually want Uncharted kart racing. Like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think I would want them to work on a kart racer, although they have, right? There was Jack Racing. Or did they yeah, farm they did, that did, out? they did Jack X. That's, that's did true. Did they farm that out to another studio, though? Um, I don't think so. I thought maybe they did. Maybe someone in chat can let us know about that. I thought they made. I thought they made Jack X. It's possible. That's, it wasn't great. <laughs> I no, remember it that. Wasn't. <laughs> yeah, they developed it. That was them. Well, they did. So they've yeah. done it before. It wouldn't be an anomaly for Naughty Dog to make a racing game. Although I agree with you. That's I mean, the it, last would, it would thing be I, an anomaly. That's the last <laughs> thing I want them working on. But Matt, I wouldn't mind seeing them work on like a more traditional RPG, like an action RPG. I mean, I I guess like they could do something like that. I mean, I feel like, like in a fantasy you're... setting, even like it doesn't have to be like modern. Well, didn't we see like the the that concept art from that one guy who like was he oh, worked yeah. on something for them? That's right. That's like, right. So like one of those projects is probably that, right? Yeah, probably. And that kind of looked like what I'm talking about, like a fantasy mm-hmm. RPG, yeah. almost like a Lord of the Rings type thing. Well, I mean, just I I feel like they're getting there. You know, I mean, they they have RPG elements in like you know, uh, Last of Us Two. So you're, you're they're they're like, everybody's lean in that way. Sony seems to want that anyway in their games. It just gives you a sense of attachment to the character. Um, but uh, so I would imagine there's going to be some of that one way or the other. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess I'd like to see them take a, you know that that looked good. Like that one picture looked cool. I mean. I guess I wouldn't mind seeing them take a crack at some kind of more sci-fi thing, um, yep. like a spa- like a Mass Effect style thing. Yeah, I'd like uh, to see them do high fantasy, sci-fi, and then a game almost like GTA. Not not a satirical game. It's like <laughs> funny, mm-hmm. like GTA is, but something set in a modern day where the world hasn't ended. Uh, because the way they look at characters and writing. Um, I think that that can be extrapolated across any setting and it make the game compelling. So I just want to see Naughty Dog explore settings, themes, um, and I wouldn't mind if they do expand more into a more traditional RPG instead of just kind of having like the action adventure with light RPG elements that it's kind of been doing all this time. Um, I think the the things that Naughty Dog are good at are things that can be placed on almost any template and will instantly mm-hmm. make it better. Um, just the the writing alone and the storytelling, um, I think it would have a, a fist up, so to speak, on a lot of other developers that have been working in those sci-fi or high fantasy settings for a long time. Like to me, you know, if I found out that Naughty Dog was making a high fantasy action RPG, I would probably instantly be more interested in that than like Dragon Age 4. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm interested in Dragon Age 4 in the sense of like, can Bioware save itself? Right. But yeah, like, there's that uh, kind of, <laughs> you know, there's a is nail biter in that regard. But like, uh-huh. yeah, I mean, I'm not, uh, but look, I've never really liked a Dragon Age game. So I'm skeptical, but we'll see. I was just using that as an example, though. It's yeah. kind of one of the RPGs on the horizon everyone's looking forward to. And I would be, yeah, more I mean, I, I guess the only other thing that would be on par in terms of like scale would probably be Starfield. Yeah. Not that we know that much about that either, but, uh, um yeah or or like you know i don't know whatever uh whatever obsidian's working on that uh avowed maybe yeah um, I mean, but i'd, I'd like rather about- see i'd rather see um insomnia or insomniac i'd rather see uh, naughty dog take on um uh i'd rather see them take on something more um action oriented than than uh you know like a i mean a skyrim and those yeah but not like a skyrim i would i don't want a, like a you know like a traditional wrpg out of them i want more of a action adventure that's heavy on the heavy on the RPG elements I guess I'd say the, the um, other thing about Naughty Dog to me that sets it apart and again would make it successful working on just about any genre and any setting mm-hmm. is that there are no sacred cows it, there's mm-hmm. in their games there's no characters that you feel safe are going to survive the game um, I would argue that Game of Thrones built its audience on that because in Game of Thrones, no matter how much they build up a character, like a lot of, like, The Walking Dead, you can always tell when someone's going to die because they'll do a full episode about that character the week before, and then they die in the next episode. And there's always a buildup, and it becomes obvious. With Game of Thrones, you just never knew what was going to happen. Like, your favorite character, who everybody loves and everyone's posting memes about on social media, that character could just get his head chopped off. And I think that unpredictability... Right. I think that unpredictability from Game of Thrones, I feel like Naughty Dog has that aesthetic in its storytelling and its games as well. And I just think it's just compelling to me. And I think that that sort of aesthetic works across any medium, really. And I think it also works across any genre or any setting in games. So anything that Naughty Dog works on, I think at this point, is just going to instantly pop up like the hype charts just Mm -hmm. because of, you know, how good his games have been. Um, yeah, be- I mean, I definitely don't have the skepticism towards them at this point the way I would have for almost anyone else. Um, like, there's not a lot of developers out there where it's like, we're working on this thing, and I'm like, in. Right. Like, whatever like 100% it is, I don't trust. care. I'm yeah. in. Yeah. It's like maybe them, Insomniac, Sucker Punch. They're all Sony Studios. Um, <laughs> it's true. Sony Santa Monica. <laughs> yeah, Sony Santa Monica. Um, yeah. They're all Sony first party, which is why PlayStation yeah. wins. There was the a time. time CD Projekt Red would have been on that list, but not today. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll get to them in a little bit. I actually. guess from software, like they haven't made anything I haven't liked in, in like 12 years. Yeah. There are um, many. I mean, even no. Nintendo throws out a turd every once in a while. Yeah. Also, I'm, I tend to not be super clear on who's making what at Nintendo a lot of the time. Like. Yep. It's, you know, both because the, the they don't really publicize their internal development teams very much. You got to right. gotta, dig for that. And there's so much like kind of cross supervision by the big people over there yep. that it feels like everyone, somebody's got their hand in other things, no matter what's going on. Um, oh, we yeah, just got an update. Derek Chauvin found guilty on all three charges. Yeah, I saw that. Wow. Excellent. We don't usually talk about stuff like that on Game Face, but. Um, no, but that's that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Thank yeah. God I figured because the 12 hours of deliberation for a delivery of a murder 
case verdict is very fast. I was very um, nervous when they didn't just come back after two hours. <laughs> well, that's like, never going to happen. You just saw of somebody murder somebody on camera. Like, right, but, what but more procedurally, you procedurally, you can't do that that fast just because of what you But like that fast was, I was like, okay, either to get a unanimous verdict that fast has to be generally, it's like, okay, yeah, we, we watched that on, on camera. Justice has been done. Um, and it needs to happen a lot more often going forward. Accountability has been held. Now now do uh, uh, Adam Toledo. Yeah, there's a lot more to go. But anyway, a little bit of justice today, um, mm-hmm. which feels pretty good. Um, Matt, so my question becomes with Naughty Dog, how much – we talked about it last week. Sony's in the Neil Druckmann business. Yeah. How much of Naughty Dog's success do you think comes down to this one guy? And if it is a lot, which I have a feeling you might say it is – how does that work when you have three games in development? Is there enough of him to go around? Well, and- first, I don't, I don't think it is all him okay. that much because uh, Amy Hennig built that company as we know it today. Yeah. Out of the Uncharted games, um, certainly it's it's kind of risen to superstardom on the back of Last of Us Two now. Um, so you know, Druckmann's in the driver's seat, uh, and he is certainly. In terms of you know, I'm I assume he and Corey Barlog are probably held up as the. Uh, the 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 pinnacles um of in sony of you know, in sony they're the favorite children they're the ones that sony's pointing to to the, all the other devs and being like why can't you be more like cory and neil um and uh i think they're they're the gold standard for them um in terms of like i don't know how much neil hands-on works with you know stuff like last of us versus like lost legacy versus you know whatever's in development at the same time um, it seems to me that as a writer and a writer and, and the director, he's probably very hands-on daily with uh, what Last of Us Two was. Um, you can't really do that with three separate projects. Right. Um, but I assume that he has people in the company that he considers to be just as good as him in terms of in terms of knowing what he wants and what he do and what should be done. So uh, I have a I have a, I feel like if they if he wasn't confident that that he had people that could run things properly in his you know, you know, as as his secondaries, his right hand people, he wouldn't be agreeing to this expansion. I mean, look, based upon what we've learned about Sony over the last three weeks, sometimes you don't have a choice. <laughs> like, they're just yeah, going to come in like and Neil, just I feel like Neil Druckmann does have a choice. Yeah, I mean, or at if least you're in he, the has, Druckmann he has the power to to guide how it happens. Um, you know, so we'll see. Uh, you, you know, it might hit a point where you're sort of like really paying attention to which one he is, is his baby, pro, you know, which which project is his baby and which are the two that he's sort of supervising. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I assume that in this in this scenario, there will be probably one that he focuses on more and whether that is the one he's most creatively excited about or the one that needs the most help. I guess we'll see. But um well, you know, it's it's a it's a move. It's a power move, uh, both for Sony and for Druckmann. Um, we just have to wait and see how it turns out. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, you're kind of sitting. You're kind of sitting there waiting for Naughty Dog to make its first bad game. Like, even though I don't like Uncharted Four a lot, I would not call it a bad game. I yeah, just I don't like it. Yeah, I think that would be a huge stretch <laughs> to yeah. call it bad. You may not like it. It may not be your cup of tea. But yeah, the, yeah, like, but you're, you're still looking at something that is production value wise on par with every with the other things they've made in the modern era. Yeah. Um, you can't really, you know, you can say like, oh, I'm not into it, but it's not the same thing as saying like they made a bad game. Like they made a game that doesn't work. They made a game that, that isn't up to their standards. That's not true. Speaking um, of which, how do you so feel we'll about see. no new Uncharted coming? They have three games coming and not one of them is Uncharted. Well, we knew that. 
um, like, you know, especially with the rumors that, you know, whatever, whatever the next move in the Uncharted franchise is going to be, it's not going to be Naughty Dog. It's going to be maybe that San Diego team they're setting up or something. Um, look, to me, Uncharted is over. Like, I don't I don't really expect anything more out of Uncharted. If if the Sony San Diego team or whoever, whoever they get makes, you know, or, or whoever they make, make it another Uncharted makes one and it turns out to be good. Great. But I I'm OK with putting Uncharted to rest personally. Yeah. Well, you didn't like Uncharted 4. I did. Um, no, I like The Lost Legacy, though. I would, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm down with more of that. Um, but uh, again, I, I, I feel like they did everything they need to do in Uncharted, really. Like, it's like, I don't know where you go from there. You know, it's, it's the story's kind of been told. Nathan Drake's story's pretty much been told. Uh, I guess you can continue with some of the other characters. I wouldn't mind like a Sully prequel or something. Yeah, I would be totally down um, with that. He's a great character. But I mean, you kind of have to continue because they're planning to make a movie franchise. So, you know, you're going to, you know, the rumor is that that Last of Us remake was going to be basically trying to align it with uh, the the Netflix, the Netflix show they're making. Uh-huh. So there's probably going to be a wing of Sony games now that are sort of companion pieces to their their movie and TV projects. Um, so yeah, that's probably Lost where Uncharted Legacy kind of cracked the window open to what you can do with mm-hmm. Uncharted going forward. It had all, you know, basically new lead characters and, you know, female lead character. Yep. Which and that was that one was not very focused on by Druckmann, as I understand it. Yeah. That was, uh, he was already on, on The Lost of Us 2 mostly. by then. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so if, if he's got one of the pro- one of the new projects is being run by the guy who directed, I can't remember his name, but who directed Lost Legacy, like, great, because he did a great job on Lost Legacy. Yep. So anyway, that's the latest on Naughty Dog. I, I don't know if we're going to see anything from them for a while. Do you think we'll see stuff more quickly or less quickly now that they're working on three projects? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of hard to say. Like yeah. they showed Blast of Us two. I I would think too early. Um, you know, that was years and years before that game was ready. To the point that like I remember when you know that was a, the the little teaser with her playing the guitar. And Joel pokes his head in. We ran that a lot on Game Face. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember like I I I was like that game's like four years out. And you're like you're crazy. That's next year or something. They wouldn't show it this early. And I'm like, mm, and they yeah. did. And they sure sure did. They sure did. And I mean, you know, look, it didn't hurt them. It didn't hurt the yeah. sales or anything. So I guess they, you know, it, it, it if anything, it just kind of built some hype. Um, but one of the reasons that built hype was because we were already invested in the Last of Us characters. Yeah. So for a project that's completely new. I would say you probably want to debut that a little closer to release. Hmm. Don't you think you may want to debut it a little earlier so you can build sort of the no. lore and the world and people understand no. it? No. No. All you're doing is stretching it out then. You want to you want the initial rush of Naughty Dog's making something new you've never seen it before. Here it is. What's that? What's that? Let's take that. We're going to do that. We're going to be another preview and demo thing and then you're going to get it at the end of the year. Like that's how you get there. That's that's the hype machine for that. You don't want to give people too much time to think. Okay. I don't think they will. Let's see Naughty Dog, and they'll buy it. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, probably. That's kind of where well, we're I'm at at this point. I don't I'm blame them. Like you, 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 it's too, you know, people are already invested in Ellie and Joel, and you were never going to hit a point where four years later people are like, well, I've already been too, I'm tired of, dealing, of thinking about this now. It's over. Yeah. Um, if you're just going to show me a bunch of new stuff that I don't have any attachment to, um, and then make me wait four years, like that's different. Like that, there's there's a there's a sour, more sour taste to that. So I think I think you want to show that closer to uh, to really, even if it's just two years. You know, it's it's you don't have to like you don't you don't have to like uh, Fallout for it or anything. Oh, okay. Um, I but I think just like, you know, not do it, don't don't show stuff half a decade out okay, if I don't okay. already care. Gotcha, gotcha. You know what I mean? I thought you were talking about like the Fallout model, basically. 
No, 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 no. Okay. I mean, yeah, that I wouldn't mind that, That's but I, I think just, I think just like two E3s is about my limit for okay. a new new IP for, for them. I think that's yeah. totally fair. <laughs> it's insane that we would have to even question whether something like that yeah, is Yeah, but I mean, look, you know. <laughs> but after Cyberpunk and The Last of Us Part Two and blah, 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 it's, mm-hmm. it's just kind of the way it is now. All right. Final Fantasy VII. Yep. Genmoo. Yep. Uh, okay, so <laughs> speaking about hype, there's nothing more hype right now than the PlayStation 5. The console still, they can't make enough to satisfy the demand for the console. Um, I still can find one. I have honestly been trying to get Pactor a PS5 because he's become so disgruntled over <laughs> what Sony not sending him one that he's not even trying to get one. He's given up. Um, so mm-hmm. I've been trying to help him find one because I realize he's in this dark place with it. And you can't. You cannot nope. get a PlayStation 5. It doesn't matter how many times... I show up to Walmart.com or BestBuy.com or GameStop.com. I cannot get a PlayStation 5. It's the same song and dance. You get there. You go through the process. The website crashes. They still haven't fixed their websites. Like, they still crash. They still haven't instituted queues for this stuff. Like, they've had time now, Matt, to, like, figure this stuff out. They haven't. They've decided this is good enough, and this is the way we're going to do it. You still cannot find a PlayStation 5 on store shelves. You can't even get – if you get to the website the minute they go on sale, you're still not getting one. It's very discouraging for people who are trying to get them. Yet, it just continues. Like, it still hasn't died down from the way it was over the – I still am shocked that I have one, Matt. Like, I just got so flipping lucky. Like, there are people just as dedicated as you and I who still can't get one. Lots of them. Like, it's, it's crazy and it's bizarre. <laughs> and that has resulted in – the PlayStation 5 being the fastest-selling console in the history of video games. Um, it's five months out at this point. You still can't get one. I do remember the Wii was kind of like this still at this point. Mm. But I think even the Wii The Wii was now, like that because they sold them as fast as they could make them. The PS5, part of the problem here is the chip shortage. Yeah, they can't make um, them as fast as they'd yeah. like to. Yeah. And that's a problem. I, mean, I got for some all friends that are doing the same thing. They want one and can't get one. I tried to help a bit, and I did find one. You know, for they were live on Walmart's site earlier last week, but they were gone in like ten minutes. Yeah. Speaking maybe, of which, and, if any of you guys stumble across one and you don't want it, and you you know they're looking to sell it to someone who doesn't want to make a crazy profit on it, DM me on Sifted because I would really like to get one for Pactor. He's really pissed off about it <laughs> but i think if i delivered one to his doorstep i think it might change his perspective um big time can he just go you know they're, they're available on the secondary market you want to pay a thousand bucks or something oh it's he a matter of that. principle now matt he's not he's <laughs> not gonna do that like he's just not his contention is like he he's very angry that he sees youtubers with them that's what bothers him the most mm. because he's like okay they consider them influencers am i not an influencer and he's right. Like, he is a huge influencer. And that's what bothers him more than anything. Like, the fact that he sees, like, a YouTuber that has it who's, like, 14 years old. And they're like, Sony sent this to me along with all the games and blah, blah, blah. Like, I've gotten over that crap a long time ago. He has not. So mm. he, he's very salty about it. So if any of you guys have an extra PS5, I know it's a long shot. But if you do, DM me on Sifted. Just go to the messages. Just go at Shane and send it to me, and we'll try to work something out. But anyway. Yeah. I mean, that like, seems like an apples and oranges comparison to me. But I do think it's weird that they would not have sent him it one. It is weird. I mean. Um, <laughs> like, I, don't, I wouldn't expect the same person sending PS5s to influencers to be the one to send one to him. Right. But it feels like. 
there's about five people with VP in their title over there that would be like, oh, we got to make sure we get one to Pactor. Yeah, it sounds like there's somebody's got a grudge or something over there. I don't know, but it is weird. Um, and he's not taking it well. So <laughs> anyway, if any of you come across one, just hit me up. Um, so anyway, hardware sales overall were up 47% in March, year over year. And you got to remember, March, we were already in a lockdown. So the hardware explosion had already happened mm-hmm. a year ago. And they were still up 47% year over year. So not just PS5. Xbox Series is also Everything. selling great. I mean, yeah, you can't get Xboxes either. They're selling like, as fast as they can make them as well. Um, so don't think this is all about PlayStation. My mm-hmm. bigger question here is that I've actually got to the point where I feel like I'm getting value from my Xbox Series X. And I hardly play my PlayStation 5 anymore. So the big question here is the PlayStation 5 worthy of this? Um Overall, March was up 81% year over year. The gaming industry is just going crazy. Um, Switch, and I wouldn't leave Switch out of this, Switch led total hardware sales in both units and dollars. So Switch is also, Nintendo also, basically selling every Switch it can make right now. Yeah, and uh, Nintendo's got also an advantage because they can make them. Right. Like, they're not being as affected by this this high-end chip shortage because they're using you know, different tech. And uh, that means they can basically make way more switches yep. than Sony can crank out PS5s. So uh, there you go. Like, you know, Nintendo's uh, got, Nintendo's been benefiting through the pandemic a lot just because, you know, Animal Crossing alone. It was the perfect uh, pandemic game. Flawless, <laughs> flawless the timing. timing. Of that couldn't have been um, better. It's really crazy that it came out right when it all started and it was the perfect game for the pandemic. Light and whimsy, Huge time suck when everybody I'm needed saying, time. Get to, you got you to log in every day, so it's like a it's like a structural thing, a scheduling thing. Like yeah, there, which all people it was also just, needed. People needed yeah. structure. Like it's yeah. just it, it was, was a perfect uh, storm. Incredible. I mean, I haven't touched it in, in almost a year either. now. But like yeah. those first few those few months, I think I played it through about June. I remember playing it like the last time I played it was probably somewhere around the time of E three. The E three videos were starting to hit. Yep. Um, but I really enjoyed those three months. That was yep. uh, that was that was just what I needed. Now I will associate it with that period of time forever and never want to play it again. But uh, <laughs> here we are. So Matt, my question to you is: Is it is this all worth it? All this scrambling to get a PlayStation Five, the going to the websites, the being disappointed. The paying $1,500 on eBay for a PlayStation 5, I really struggle at this point to see why it's worth it right now because... Well, no, because, I mean, that, well, the thing is, like, like I've paid premium prices for certain things that are, like, out of print or never coming back again. Right. But PlayStation 5s are not going to be scarce forever. Yeah, they're not going anywhere. They're going... Like, I don't know. I mean, look, maybe I'd think differently if I didn't have one, but it's, like... There's nothing on there that I'm like I have to pay a thousand dollars right now to play X. Like there's, not a there's nothing game there available for it. Not one. No. Not even close, really. I mean, for some people, I think the Demon Souls remake probably is, but I think that's oh, yeah, for a but small it's also like you can, Is it worth that much money? I mean, it's just, no, it's not. There's, there's nothing. There's nothing that urgent on it right now. You know what I mean? Do you think this is all um, being driven by FOMO? There's some of that. Um, also, like you know, some of that I'm sure is driven by the stimulus checks. That right, people got some money. Right, they want to spend got it on that, that chunk of change in their uh, bank account right now, mm-hmm. burning a hole like, in their bank account. Like I can see if if you're doing like moderately okay and you got like a decent you know chunk of the stimulus check, I can see you being like, oh, that's like free money. We should use that to get the PS5, and then you can't get a PS5, and you're like, yeah, if you well, didn't shit, lose like, your job and you stayed employed for the last year and you got mm-hmm. the the you know between the two checks two thousand dollars just sitting there in your account. And there's nothing else for you to spend it on because you can't do anything. 
I guess I could see where that would be pretty hard. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I wanted to discuss this to. It's also like I understand the frustration of some of the people I know because it's like it's April. Like, yeah, and even you and I were saying back then, it's like, yeah, April's probably about when you'll be able to find them on shelves once the yeah, holiday rush we is were, over and all that. Right. And, so, and like we were completely like, we did not foresee the chip shortage problem or the production problems. But like, yeah, this is about when I would have thought it would become more or less plentiful. And it really it's been the opposite. So I understand the frustration of people who are like, I'll just wait until you know next year sometime. And it's like six months later and they still can't get one. I can understand the frustration, but. I think they should not be as frustrated as they are. Is what I'm getting at. Well, I don't think they should be willing to throw money at you know scalpers and. Oh, definitely do not pay the scalping stuff. price on eBay unless you're like a trust fund kid and you've got you know a hundred million dollars sitting in the bank and money really doesn't mean. Yeah, anything but even then, don't encourage that kind of behavior. Yeah, even I could understand if somebody like that bought it though at that price. Any normal sure, but person- it's like you're contributing to something that you shouldn't be contributing to. It's just going to make it worse. Um, yeah, I'd, could I afford to do that if I wanted one? Yeah, I wouldn't. Like, I'm not going to give somebody like that money. Well, the other day, someone in my Facebook feed posted, basically rubbing it in people's faces. They're like, oh, you fools who are trying to get PS5s. I've already <laughs> got 10, and I've sold eight of them on eBay. And he's like, here's your, here's the step-by-step to like not be bummed out about it. And it was like point one and point two, and it was just a bunch of crap. But I was like, point three should be, how do people get them? Like, mm-hmm. if you're going to come on here and, like, rub it in people's faces that you got all these systems and they can't get one, like, at least help them. Like, tell them, like, how they can get one. And he wouldn't tell. He wouldn't share it. He's like, no, because then other people will get them. And I was like, what? Like. He's making money off it. Of course, he's not going to share that. It's crazy, though. Like, what is You don't tell anybody where the marijuana field is. <laughs> but I'm just, my point is, it's crazy what it's become. Like, there's this mm-hmm. cottage industry of greedy people who have figured out a way to like jump the lines at websites and get them like, you know, probably some bot or whatever that he uses to, to get them, but, or some program that just spams like the server with requests or so. I don't know, but somehow stuff like that. Yeah. So somehow, some way this guy's figured it out. Meanwhile, there are people who are like losing sleep because they can't get one. But the reason I want to discuss this is I wanted to ease their minds because I feel like they think they're missing out on more than they really are. I mean, again, I haven't booted mine up in I don't know how long. Like, I did boot it up this week because there was supposed to be the huge firmware update. Mm-hmm. There's supposed to be the first major firmware update. And ultimately, it did, like, nothing. <laughs> it's like, yeah. there's, like, it I mean, changed I the storage options. The, I booted it up to do the Resident Evil demo. Yeah, um, oh, that's right. I did play the RE demo on my PlayStation because I had to because it was, like. Yeah, because it's only on that. Yeah, so. and we'll we'll get to that later in the show. Um but otherwise, but other than that, yeah, not not a lot of activity over there. You can there. do that on a PS4 as well. You don't need a PS5. Right. You can get the demo just on your. I own mean, PS4. everything is true of that except Demon Souls, really. Yeah. So far, and that's the other thing. Like, I guess Godfall, but who cares? Uh, yeah, who cares about that? <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing. You're not missing Destruction All Stars, which just popped yeah, up in the B roll. But like, you're not I, missing anything. I was going through my library on that thing, and I saw like Destruction All Stars. It says like in library. I'm like, why do I own that? I forgot I got it through like PlayStation Free Plus. From PlayStation like, Plus. Yeah, I, yeah. I, was, I was like, why do I have that? What's that doing here? It was like it was like finding a U2 album in my iTunes thing. It's like who did who authorized that? Um, the other day I was on Twitter, and like this is how bad it's got, Matt. It has become like a status symbol, essentially. And I was on Twitter, and I was scrolling through, and there was this kid who had pulled into like this Roach Hotel parking lot, parked his car, 
flew the doors open, and then sat the box of his PlayStation 5 in front of his car and was posing on his car. <laughs> I was just like, right. are you freaking kidding me? Like, this is where we're at with these things? Like, it's not worth it, people. It's really not. It is just a piece of plastic and transistors, and right now there's really nothing to play on it. And I would argue too. It's that like I've been, honestly, you probably had more fun driving there and taking that picture than anything you you could have played that came out this week. Matt, I got more 5. joy at laughing at his photo yeah. than I have got from playing my PlayStation Five for the last like two months. I'll be honest with you. Like, there's, I, I just feel I mean, bad. I, play, I played uh, Disco Elysium on it. That's cool. But again, that's on PC too. But if you don't have a PC for that, it's a good. That's a good reason. But again, also on PS4. I mean, the other thing I would argue um, is that like playing ps4 games on play playstation 5 the jump isn't that big like yeah it's just the load time really. that's it the, the way the games look don't look that much better that was my biggest disappointment actually was i got my tv before i got my playstation 5 so i had like a four or five day window to play my ps4 pro on my new 4k tv before i got my ps5 so i played like spider-man um assassin's creed valhalla like Three or four games, uh, Watch Dogs Legion. I played those all on PS4 Pro before I got my PlayStation 5. And that was the biggest disappointment for me with PlayStation 5 was seeing that they did not look that much better running on the PlayStation 5. Now, well, Spider-Man does. It does. Um, the remastered one does. But load the other times, thing I'll say, Watch Dogs Legion looks so much better on the on the Series X than on the Play. I don't know what they're – I think there's, there's a difference in what they the, – the bells and whistles they turned on on the Xbox for, for Legion – because it looks real good on the Xbox. I have not tried it yet um, to see. Um, when I loaded that up for the first time on the Xbox, I was like, whoa. Because I that was right after I played Watch Dogs Legion for like a month, right? I, I was probably, probably 40 hours in that game on the Xbox One X. And when I first loaded it up on Series X, I was like, wow. Like you could see forever down the street. The 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 lighting looked different. Like it looked like a different game almost. Mm -hmm. Um, and then like, I, but everyone I know who, who had it on PlayStation four and switched to PlayStation five said exactly what you did. Like it just looked, it doesn't look any different. So there must be some difference in bells and whistles on that. I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, like, unless it was specifically remastered or, or, um, patched for PS five, the, the, the jump is not particularly noticeable if you're playing PS four content, even the Avengers patch. I I didn't really notice a difference. Yeah, you know, I, I did. Games. I did load that up when the PS5 patch went up, and I'm like, I mean, I can see it because I know what I'm looking at. You know, in terms of like ray tracing and stuff, but like, it does it doesn't make a difference really. Yeah, uh, here's what I would say: instead of beating yourself up over the fact that you still don't have a PlayStation 5 and running around on the internet and following Wario 64 still <laughs> trying to get one, just stop and wait because. Really, the next big date you need to be looking for is the release date of Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. It's still two or three months away. Let all these idiots overpay for them. Take up all the stock at GameStop. Just chill. Maybe, worst case scenario, find a cheap PS4 Pro somewhere so you get a little bit of an upgrade. The value of those is sky high as well. So if you buy one, you'll be able to resell it for a pretty high value because you can't find those anywhere either right now. Um, so if you can find a PS4 Pro, maybe get that, because it still looks really, really damn good on a 4K TV. But just chill on the PlayStation 5. Like, I know it's hard, especially if you've been at this now for, like, five months and you still don't have one. It may turn into, like, this personal thing for you where you're like, I'm not going to let it beat me. Like, I've got to do it. I've got to get one. I just, 
I really struggle to find a reason why it would be worth all the hassle, especially if you've been doing this for five months and you just keep striking out over and over again. Um, Matt, the other thing is that accessories have like done really, really well over the last few months. The DualSense controller selling like hotcakes. Um, looks like a lot of people want that extra controller. Uh, somebody bought me one for Christmas, which I appreciate very much. One of the sifters got me one. Um, I'll be honest with you, I haven't even used the second controller yet because I, <laughs> I can't play with anybody. No one can come over. Yeah, um, I got. Uh, I do have a second one because I got it in the bundle, uh, the okay. GameStop bundle. So that got me like uh, I got that, and I was supposed to have Destruction All Stars, but I got canceled. Um, yeah, they're selling really well. Headsets are selling really well. Yeah, I got a headset pandemic, from that too, which makes sense. All right. Um, yeah, but I think overall, like it, it's just become this status symbol, like hype thing. That when you actually own one, I think a lot of people probably get their PS5 and they're like, oh. Mm-hmm. I don't get what all the noise was about. Yeah, well, I do have like I had a guy come. I had a guy come in to fix some stuff uh, like a month or two ago, um, and he he came. He, he like you know uh, he's from a, like a plumbing service, but he's like you know he knew he knew games and movie stuff. And he went through the when he went through the living room, he's like, "Is that a PS 5 I'm like, "Yeah." He's, he's, <laughs> like, he's, cow. he's like, he's like, that is gigantic. Gigantic! Like, yeah. You've never seen one before. And he's just like, that's huge. Like yeah. I don't know where I. I'm, he's like, I want one, but now I don't know where I'm going to put it. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, they're big. It's- that happened. They fixed our air conditioning like two weeks ago, and the guy who came in was like, "Oh, you got a PS5," and it's just it's crazy what it's become. Like, and this guy, he didn't even say like I'm a gamer. Like he was just mm-hmm. like he just knew he, what it was. He just knew that he, I had something that a lot of people are trying to get. And then I was like, oh crap, he's going to come in and like steal it. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, the, the Philly boy. Exactly. <laughs> Hey, my apartment here in LA got broken into when I was yeah. there for Christmas. They took everything. I, I lost like my entire game collection. I had to rebuild. So it's not just yeah. a Philly thing. Like, I don't know. I mean, we're coming up on the year anniversary of those guys trying to break in here. Right. Yeah. I mean, so. you had a break in while you were there. Yeah. Which is <laughs> just, just crazy. I prefer my break ins to happen when I'm not there, Kyle. Okay. <laughs> well, they ran away from me, so it worked out okay. <laughs> But anyway, look, if you've been on this crazy journey trying to get a PS5, take it easy on yourself. One, it's not you. It's not the, It's not you. You're not the reason you're not getting it. And two, when you do get it, you're probably going to be really disappointed in it because there just aren't a lot of great games to play on it yet. So even if you are a big Souls guy, you'll get through Demon Souls in a couple weeks, and then you're just left with crap like Destruction All-Stars. And well, you've also got like Miles Morales. And... Miles Morales, yeah. There's a bunch of stuff but to play on it. That game's like that's, 10 that's hours decent. long. It's not very long. Yeah. Spider-Man's worth playing again, the remastered version. Um, there's stuff there, but it's like, again, like, and, and there's going to be some some serious FOMO when Ratchet comes out. Like, that's for sure. Like, I think Ratchet's going to be a bit, you know, that's like, what I said. a game Chill of the year candidate. Like but like, and when Ratchet it might not even out? be, it might not be any better in, in June, but we'll see. I, I'm interested to see if uh, uh, so. I mean, I know Sony's not at E3, but I assume they'll do something around the same time or before, or after, in there somewhere. I'll, I, I'm curious if they'll address this at all, or at least give some kind of a time frame of when you expect to like fix it. You yeah, know, they really thing, haven't you know? issued an official statement. No, there's been about... really no communication about it at all. Yeah, Sony's been kind of radio. That's part of the general. frustration too. I think is there's no indication of like, do you know this is happening? Are you taking steps to change it? Are you like, is there going to be a, uh, is there a light at the end of this tunnel at all if people mm-hmm. can't get one? Like, you know, I think people just like some information. Yeah. Yeah, and I can understand that. Particularly people who have been trying for five months to get one and haven't yeah. got one yet. 
Uh, but my advice definitely is to just chill, wait until Ratchet starts creeping up, and then dive in and try to get him. Just let all these people run themselves ragged over the next couple months. That means that there'll be less demand for it when you go to find one, and it'll all be good. Hopefully, you'll get one just in time for Ratchet. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah, the I was, I was it's weird to think, you know, because September was when we were doing all the, you know, our, our pre-order mad scramble day for, for the new systems. And, like, that was that was further from today than that day was from the beginning of the pandemic. Yep. It's crazy. Like seven months versus six, like yep. been doing this a long time. I mean, all electronics are having this problem. There's just not yeah. enough chips for anything right now. Um, GPUs yeah. having the same problem. Phones having the same problem. Yeah. Even uh, hard drives. Yep. You're running into a problem. And all some of it is, is like the Bitcoin nonsense, but uh, yeah, it's getting harder. It's getting almost impossible to just build a PC anymore. Yeah, like I really you're not, even, you're not even just in competition for the graph- <laughs> graphics cards anymore. Now you're after the CPUs and the hard drives and the SSD stuff. It's like, it's ridiculous. The I RAM. really wish I had bought a Bitcoin like eight months ago when they were six thousand dollars. <laughs> I wish I bought them when they were like twenty bucks. You know, I have I a friend who, who has like twenty Bitcoin. Yeah, because he flip bought them when like, they were like five bucks. Actual, good luck getting any actual money out of that. I mean, you can you sell can, them. You can absolutely. You gotta sell find them. someone to buy them first. Yeah, but the exchanges like do that for you. People are buying them still. Like it, yeah, it, but they it, don't just hand over cash. It's, it's very hard to get a decent rate out of trying to actually sell them for cash. Yeah. Like it's 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 not uh, it's not an instant cash in thing. It's it, I got some people that tried to do that because like I got all this stuff and I, I'm going to totally cash in. They couldn't get any money out of it really. Any? Not much. I mean, they got a couple thousand dollars, but their stuff they had was worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. But they can't get that money. Because huh. you can't just dump Bitcoin that easily. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're not like stocks or whatever. You have to find a buyer for it. Right. But there's plenty of buyers. Everyone's buying Bitcoin right now. But, they're, they're, but also, they're actively discouraging dumping. So you're going to have to find someone that's willing to do that transaction, and that's been part of the problem. Uh, yeah. Because anyway, remember, it's it. kind of a cult. <laughs> And like, you know, trying to get, get, get out of the cult by selling off your Bitcoin is going to be frowned on by the people you're going to need to rely on to make that transaction. Well, it was like Wall Street bets with GameStop, how they were like, de- they were basically demanding people on Reddit to not sell the stock so it would keep going up. And most people were like, screw you, man. I just became mm-hmm. a millionaire in like two days. I'm cashing out, bro. And I don't blame them one bit. Uh, All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about CD Projekt Red, which has been, for the most part, pretty much a disaster for the last eight months, unless you're the bank. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So CD Projekt Red announced his financials this week, and if you're hoping that it was going to do poorly because it released an unfinished game and had to return a bunch of those, or accept returns for a bunch of those, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Um, CD Projekt Red turned a profit of $303 million for the year. It triples. That's profit, not revenue. Profit. The revenue was five hundred and sixty-two million. So you figure there's two hundred and sixty million extra there. A lot of that were probably mm-hmm. returns that they had to return the game and refund the money. Still, turn a profit of three hundred and three million dollars for the year. It's triples the highest profit CD Projekt Red has ever had in a year. I'll give you one guess what the record was before that. Twenty fifteen. That's when The Witcher Three right. came out. Um, it was also on store shelves for like a fraction of the time that The Witcher 3 was on. You remember, Cyberpunk launched December 10th. Mm-hmm. It had three weeks on the market. Witcher 3 launched in May. So, yes. A lot more time. 
It's insane. I mean, it was the most anticipated game in ever. Eight million like pre-sales. Eight yeah. million pre-sales it had. It's insane, dude. So the record, the revenue was four times what its best ever, and two or no, it's four times what they made in 2019, and two and a half times its prior record with The Witcher Three in 2015, and then profit was triple the profit it had in 2015. What have we learned from this, Matt? Um, you don't know if the game's broken until you buy it. What lessons can we take away from this? Because look. What lesson did CD Projekt Red learn? Nothing. It learned it can get away with anything at this point. It can release a completely broken, unfinished game, and as long as it manages the hype cycle correctly, it won't matter one bit. Well, that's kind of, you know, this is sort of how it goes. It's not a lesson. It's just the nature of, you know, it's sort of like, you know, movies that have big opening weekends uh, doesn't mean the movie's good. It means people want to see it. Um, in this case, you know, and then you got to look at like, what's the drop like in the second week, second weekend, uh, in the case of a game like this, uh, th- it's not as immediate. The second weekend, isn't really the, the killer. Uh, what you're doing is you got to look down the road and how's your next game going to be received. So if you're CD project red, I think that's what you, you're probably, you know, that's why you're making good on all this stuff with cyberpunk is because you want sales like that to continue to grow for your next pro, whatever that may be, Witcher four or whatever the next thing they put out is. Um, because the nature of how Witcher, you know, Witcher 2 grew over Witcher 1, Witcher 3 grew over Witcher 2, Cyberpunk really grew over Witcher 3. If you then deliver your next project and it's less, substantially less than Cyberpunk or possibly less than Witcher 3, um, your shareholders and, and your investors are going to be like, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing? Like, that looks really bad. And that's where it hurts. So they want that, um, they want the, uh, the confidence of the people back so that they don't look terrible in the next time they release some kind of product. Um, yeah, they made money, but like, you know, it's it's sort of the same thing with like No Man's Sky. You know, No Man's Sky made Hello Games a ton of money. It sold like crazy. And everybody thought that was the worst thing they'd ever played. Um, and again, Hello Games made good and 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 fixed the game and went above and beyond on that. But Hello Games made their money off that thing. Like they could have walked away and just said, have fun with the broken game, we don't care. Um, but they didn't. And neither CD neither CD Project Red. It's just, you know, uh, it'll take a while. I don't know, man. They just released that patch and it like broke just as much stuff as it fixed. Like I don't know if this game is fixable, Matt. Um I don't know. Like uh I'm waiting for the I mean there's no reason it isn't. Um yeah, it, I'm waiting for the next gen patch before I jump back into that thing. Um all the patch stuff they're doing now is just fixing, you know, quest bugs and you know things that break the game, break progress and stuff like that. None of the patches they're doing right now are particularly exciting. Right. Like that yeah. That's for sure. Because they're just trying to get the game up to code, essentially. They're trying to finish uh, the game, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're trying to basically, yeah, it's like, it's like we want to see what the, what the house looks like with the new coat of paint and all the new landscaping. They're like, we have to make sure the ceiling doesn't collapse first. Yeah, so like it's not. <laughs> the electrical doesn't cause a house fire right. and burn it all down. Like I mean, that's really what we got to get all the dead dogs out of the basement. <laughs> you know, it's just, there's, there's a lot of work to do before we can worry about what the shrubs look like. You know what I mean? Um, it's uh, so for, uh, you know, I'm waiting for the next gen patch, whenever that may be later, you know, end of this year, next year, maybe who knows. Um, but I already paid, played 40 hours of the damn thing. I don't need to do it anymore until they substantially. I, I finished it already. So I'm it's like, whatever to me, but I know there's a lot of people like you who kind of put it on hold because they got sick of dealing with the bugs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Matt, what, 
if you're CD Projekt Red, what do you do going forward? How do you, because you make, you bring up a good point. Consumer confidence in CD Projekt Red is at rock bottom. So if you're CD Projekt Red, how do you fix that? I mean, obviously not giving up on Cyberpunk 2077 is a start, but here we are four months later and it's still not fixed. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I didn't expect it to be, really. Um, I mean, I figured by now the game would be way better than it is. Like, I didn't think it would still just be littered with crash bugs at this point. I figured by now they would have squashed most of those bugs. I think they have, but there's still a lot in there anyway. Um, And, you know, any kind of patch, you know, Witcher 3, you see that too. They tried, they do put up big fixed things and it would break something else, you know? Uh, I don't think they ever quite got the HDR on the Xbox One version fixed again. Yeah. Um, It's just, you know, that's the nature of of the beast. Um, You know, it's, I I think you keep, you keep plugging away at that. You, uh, you know, I don't know if you ever hit a point where you can announce that the game is finished or fixed (laughs) or whatever. Yeah. Like Like a year later. there's no like cl- there's no like clean way to do that, right? That's what there's I'm no asking. Way- like, how do you yeah. do, how do you fix this? Like, I don't know if you can. I think the I think you just keep doing. You know, you keep patching and patching until I think you're you feel like it's up to up to par, and then you do the next gen patch. And I think the next gen patch you use uh, sort of the same way that uh, No Man's Sky used Beyond, uh, where that you kind of treat it as sort of a soft relaunch. Mm sort of thing and say like, okay, here's, it looks like this is what it looks like. And it all, you know, it's ready for all systems. And like, if you try it again, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then you kind of, I guess you kind of hope that uh, people forgive it uh, a little bit. And then moving forward, as you get your next project in line, I think I, for one thing, I think maybe you announce what it is or do a little teaser trailer, but again, going with my fallout four uh, plan thing, you, I don't think you show that game until it's real close to done. And when you do show it, you play it live real time. You play the actual game. You don't do some kind of plan demo thing. You put the game in the system and you play the damn thing and you just show what it looks like and how it works, warts and all. And then you release it six months later and hope that people uh, are willing to believe you again. Uh, there's not much else you can do. Um, the only thing that's really going to come the only up thing- the media and the media's culpability in the hype levels for cyberpunk. How do you feel like CD Projekt Red should address that? One thing I would say is the press, you should probably let the press play it. Yeah, you should let the, but also like, I find that to be a bit of a red herring because like the press was reacting to the, to the people who wanted to, who were hyped about the game. Like the reason you saw the game hyped up by the press is because people were hyping it up independently of that. Like as Sessler pointed out, like, you know, the top, top, the most talked about game on the internet always, always is Fortnite until they showed Cyberpunk at that Xbox conference. And then Cyberpunk was the only game that ever got talked about more than Fortnite for any amount of time ever. And that was not the media. That was not press stuff. That was people saw the thing and freaked out about it. That was social media. No one controlled that. That was people independently getting hyped about a game they're excited about. And so the media is going to clickbait that, obviously. But it's not what led to this. I mean, also, holding the press accountable for what happened with Cyberpunk, it's like you're telling someone to never believe anything that they see or that they're told. Like... At a certain point, you have to trust what someone is telling you. How can you operate if just everything someone tells you or shows you, you assume is is a lie or is fake? Like, well, and also because this, what happened with this game is unprecedented. Like, Sony never had to pull something off the store like that before. Right. Like, that's not a thing that happens. Yeah. Like, 
why would you think that? Like, why would, you know, I, I mean, I guess like you could have a Schreier like type figure, like digging into this and like, you know, skulking around the air ducts of CD Projekt Red. There's no way to know that. And part of it is because they don't let anybody really touch it before it's done or before it's released. I would argue um, some of the press, even after they did play it and realized that it was broken, what went a little too easy on the game. Somewhat, but also there were people who did not go easy on it right. and gave it like sixes and sevens and they got death threats for that. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm not really willing to entertain that too much. Like, the problem was the people here in terms of hyping the stuff up and then not being willing to believe the, the negative reviews that came out about it until yeah, they, a, everybody got in their hands. They're like, oh, yeah, she was right. It was garbage. I mean, blaming the press for this, let's be honest, it's victim blaming. You're Instead of blaming the, the entity or the person who caused the issue, you're blaming the people who had to react to their dishonesty. Like, mm-hmm. that's not how it's supposed to work. It's like, if CD Projekt Red wasn't deceitful, then you wouldn't have felt deceived by the journalists. It's all started with CD Projekt Red. And I would argue, one, the journalists need to be allowed to play this their next game before it comes out. Yeah. Um, I would also argue that, uh, to your point... You need, like, an event that's, like, freely... Everybody, all the press is playing it live, all in the same room, and you're allowed to take video and yep. shoot everybody playing. Like, no no barriers. And like people are allowed to, to just, publish the video. Because that was yeah. another thing, remember? Like, they were very strict with, like, their footage guidelines for the mm-hmm. video reviews. And we're like, hey, here's this package of footage that we captured that you can use in your video because they want people to show all the bugs. You want pe- yeah. But so I, I think, you know, I think the, the solution from CD projects end is like uh, all that stuff where you like super secretive and only get this to you, you know, you can't show this. You can, all that's gone. You're done. You, you blew, you you blew your privilege on, yeah. you blew your privileges for having that. You now you have trust. to like be completely open on this and let, and let everybody who's willing to get their hands on it, press influencers, Twitch people, YouTube people, everyone like yeah, you, you, clothes- you have to get the word out through everyone you can, that this game works. It's not a bug fest. It's not garbage. It's not like cyberpunk. They've, they've made a turnaround. You have to do that. There's That's the only way to repair, at least in the core gaming world, it's the only way to repair that kind of trust to any degree. And I don't think it'll work fully either. I think there will still be people yes. who are skeptical, and, and rightly so. They should be. Um, I'm but you about, have to like, drop the shields. Like, that's all there is demos to it. at E3. Like, how would I go into one of those now and feel like what I'm about to see is legit? Like, even mm-hmm. if they... Had a and I disc. say that for anyone, not just CD right, Projekt. I right. think CD Projekt ruined this for, for a lot everyone. of people. Absolutely. Like, even if I went into one of those and I watched them physically put a disc in a system and watch mm-hmm. the system boot it up, I would still be skeptical now that it's, like, fake somehow. Yeah. And that's well, also, all because well, I mean, of CD Projekt Red. Yeah. Well, also, I, when you say that, I, I, will, I will simply say in response to that, welcome to my world. Yeah. Because I I have always thought that when I when that happened I I always watch stuff like that with an eye of skepticism to some degree. I like, mean I've always been skeptical. Like when they play it, I watch them play to see if what's happening right. on screen is matching oh, yeah. what they're doing with the controller or the mouse and keyboard. Right, but also what you're seeing in situations like that is very controlled and not always what you might be getting on the disc when you buy it from a store. And I'm yeah. aware that you know I I grew up in the media. You know we both grew up in a media world where everything was des- you know everything I loved growing up as a kid was designed to sell me shit. Yeah. Um, you know, I was well aware of that. You know, you, you learn that there's a caveat mTOR uh, undercurrent to our entire existence uh, in this pop culture pop culture landscape. Um, you know, sort sort of like how you you know, like like you said, like your your Philly instincts about uh, oh, he's going to come back and steal my PS5. That's how I feel about being marketed to all the time by every game company. I feel like that too. I keep going back to one of the very final episodes of bonus round that ever happened at GT. I had already left there and Jeff had invited me back to be on the show 
And I was on there with like an influencer who I don't remember. I think it was someone from like Rooster Teeth or something, and, and Andrea Renee. And I remember like even during the show, but especially after the show, everybody there was like, "You're so skeptical." And I was like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. it's called being a journalist. That's what you do. You don't just accept everything that they tell you." And so I am very skeptical, and still, this happens. So. I don't think that there is any fixing it, Matt. I really don't think there is. I don't think there's any way CD Projekt Red ever gets 8 million pre-orders for a game ever. I would be surprised if CD Projekt Red ever gets 4 million pre-orders for a game ever again. I just, this burn goes too deep for too many people. Because when their next game rolls around, what are all the people like us on podcast going to be saying? I don't trust it. I don't trust them. Next time I see a CD Projekt Red game for the first time, I'm going to be like, that might be real. Right. Here's here's the thing, though. Um, this will be a very interesting test of something I've been curious about for a long time, and that is how much any of this shit matters. Right. Because that's the lower um, third. You can't see it right now. Says lesson not learned. Right. But like I'm talking about something different. I'm okay. talking about the fact that the people, as I say over and over again, the people who make these things critical mass hits, millions and millions, tens of millions of copies sold. Don't listen to these podcasts. They don't read these reviews. They don't do any of that. They don't. So, but I'll say this. That, my so friend who called becomes, into that group called me and was like, that game's a right. piece of shit. Right. Well, that's <laughs> my, my question is, is it is two elements to that. First, will the mass audience that makes these things, these, these critical mass hits, will they have all kind of universally had that experience of cyberpunk and then apply it to the same company later. Well, they even realized that the Witcher four is made by the same people that made this game. That's a good point. Uh, further, you might want to bury that those, in the opening credits. People, yeah. You could, you could get away with that to some degree. <laughs> uh-huh. The other, the other thing is, will those people hold that grudge or hold that accountability in their minds four years later? Mm-hmm. Will it matter Time to them when they, will, will it matter to them when they see another Witcher game after they like The Witcher Three and they've watched four seasons of the Witcher Netflix show they love so much? Will it matter? Will it hold them back anymore? I would say um, they got a pretty good shot of getting six million hmm. pre-orders. Um, my thing is like the only thing that can really fix it to any appreciable degree is if the next game is good out of the gate. Yes, yeah, polished it. out of the gate. Like you, the next game is a make good. Like you cannot expect record-setting pre-order numbers or launch day numbers out of the next game because that's the game that's going to get you those numbers back maybe next time. So we'll expect um, to play The Witcher 4 in about 2027 is what you're saying. Yeah, we'll see. You know, we'll see. It'll, it'll be a nice end of PS5 life game. And <laughs> maybe. We'll, uh, we'll see if they've learned anything by then. It, that's how long it would probably take, one, for the stink to wear off of what happened, and two, for me to even have a modicum of trust yeah. for CD Projekt Although, Red. like, you know, look... Um, and we'll see, because I, you know, even every time No Man's Sky puts a new update out, you still get a little flood of people talking about it's the worst game they've ever played, but they haven't played it since 2016, and that was five years ago. So people do remember when something they're very excited about turns out to be a dog. Yeah. Um, so and I, I mean, I'll tell you this much: we're never going to see another Cyberpunk game again. Yeah, I don't think we'll ever see a sequel. I wouldn't. If I were them, I would never touch that IP again. Yeah, yeah. And after after what's happened, I don't blame them. I would say this though, I would like to see another one. I hate to oh, I'd admit love to, it. I'd love to see them try it again or someone. Try I like through all this. I still liked the game. Like there are some genuinely moving moments in the game. I liked the setting. Still, it was just garbage. I would. I would love a, a cyber an approach to cyberpunk with of of that ambition level, but like 
that actually deals with a cyberpunk setting that has relevance to today and isn't like a throwback to like 1988. Um, yeah. I just, I just found it a little too retro to be of any value to me in terms of that. Like it was nice to see, but it was, it just felt paper thin in terms of, of, of what it had to say, if anything, um, it was entirely about the characters as far as I played, which is fine. Like you can yeah, do that. Yeah, I was that. okay like, with that. I didn't have a problem with that. Um, but it just like, there seemed to be a little, there's a little more meat on the thematic bone on Witcher. And, I agree. Uh, oh, I agree a it, thousand percent. Yep. I, I just felt cyberpunk, which is fun, but like cyberpunk shouldn't be that. Like cyberpunk should have more meat on it in that regard. There cyberpunk, you the can, opportunity for it, for sure. Yeah, you have the opportunity to really make some social commentary and some political commentary with the cyberpunk setting of any nature, and they just they just dodged it. Like there was they a little Ubisoft bit of it, it, but not a little enough. bit. But it was it was like playing Far Cry Five. It's like you had the opportunity to really go yeah. for the jugular on a couple <laughs> of these things, yeah. and all you did was just sort of dance around yeah, it. That's just that's yeah. just disappointing. That's right. That's an accurate assessment, I would say. So. Yeah, I don't know. CD Projekt Red has a lot to repair, and I know their financials probably for next year are not going to be as rosy as they were for 2020. So no, although you would kind of think, you know, when you release like one game, two games a decade, you wonder what you expect your financials to look like anyway. Um, and I guess we'll see. You know, it's not like they didn't put anything else. They put out the you know that that the Gwent game, and they put out the that Thronebreaker. Um, not that that did particularly well yeah um, it's not going to refill the coffers no but uh i don't know i'm, I'm well, interested to see where they go from here now in canada maybe they yeah. can get up there we'll see if that way. helps maybe it won't be 2027 maybe it'd be like 2025 <laughs> i don't know i hope so um but they need to turn this stuff around for, you know I, I i think i said a, well, one of the last couple conversations about this stuff is like this is sort of the, the the worst case scenario of a company that does big AAA stuff that they, you know, you put all, you know, they put all, they bet all their money on it. Every time you put out a release, it's make or break. Uh, Rockstar does that, uh, you know, but I mean, Rockstar has never. The jackpot though. I mean, right. Right. <laughs> their reputation Rockstar... may be in the toilet, but they hit the jackpot. But now you can't confidently make that big bet on the next project. Yep. Like that's the problem. You know, it's, it's and not neither that can gonna, consumers. And you can't retroactively can get punished for something that you have to buy to know whether it's good or not. Yeah. Um. You you have to you have to look forward. You know, the rep has to move forward, and you have to like, you know, con- you know. It's also like kind of the 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 uh you know the, the paradox of capitalism and the paradox of of investors expect expectations is they just expect infinite growth. Yeah. And. If you're neck, if you're doing, and, and especially in I mean, a situation like like I mean, this, that's a they huge did. spike from the Witcher. Right, 3. but are they going to get that on their next project? Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like that's the, the you know you're, you you got to look years down the line and say like this is this is not you know the this game's uh, situation did not negatively impact their bottom line. It didn't threaten the company's existence. But if they don't create more growth for the next project, it might. That might you know, even if it's successful, even if you get four million. How many how many games would be thrilled with four million pre-orders? All of them. But four million yeah. pre-orders for The Witcher Four is going to be a failure. It would be at this point, yeah. But you know what? Maybe the game comes out and it's actually good, and then they do yeah. more sales post-release than they are with Cyberpunk. I think that's so. their only hope here. Yeah, I think that's that, that's where they have to aim. That's probably the strategy that they should try to deploy. Try to yeah. keep the pre-release hype. You don't want it to be a minimum, no. but keep it from entering the stratosphere. You, you want the hype to kind of evolve naturally, and you want it. You want to have the transparency and drop the shields and stop being all about embargo nonsense and 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 acting. You know, because like part of there was some arrogance there 
on their part, yeah. where it's like they knew they didn't need the press. They didn't need anyone. All they needed to do was say, we made The Witcher 3 and we're making this now and you're going to want it and give and us your money. They knew they had a busted game. Yeah. So like that's the other thing is like plenty of even, even when I even when I sit in a lot of those things those things like and, and look at the the demos and stuff and I'm skeptical about it I'm like I don't know if you're really showing me what you're really showing me um, nine ninety nine percent of the time what actually does hit store shelves and and such uh, has had those issues addressed to some degree or another you know yeah. if the biggest difference is like the puddles slightly less reflective or the lighting slightly different in a forest somewhere I can live with that. Um, this is the first time I think I can recall that that someone made that big bet and really did not deliver in in any appreciable way. It's uh, it's astounding. It is. All right. We got to move on. We're going to talk next about the only kind of big game that was really announced this week. And that is dun, 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 a remake of House of the Dead. And we're going to discuss that mm. very briefly, Matt. But really what I want to discuss is. The fact that light gun games have pretty much disappeared and why. But first of all, are you excited about this remake of House of the Dead? This is a Switch exclusive, by the way. It's coming before the end of 2021. Um, um, I mean, I guess. I like I me. Mean, I like the House of the Dead games. I like uh, I like light gun games. Um, I mean, the Switch makes sense for that, considering uh, how the Joy-Cons work. So I mean, it's a perfect system sure. for it. So I get why it's a Switch exclusive. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, to see. it's the only system for it, really. I mean, I guess you could do you could do something with like the the motion the the Sony motion controllers, I guess. But who the hell has those anymore? Other than like us weird VR people. I mean, they still release light gun games on systems that just have analog stick controllers. Um, you can play them. I mean, it's like, a, it, and that's what I want to talk about when we talk about the bigger thing about light gun games is why this genre has gone away when. There are first-person shooters are, in a lot of cases, are dominating the industry as far as sales are concerned because that's really all it is. It's just a different way to display a first-person shooter. You're just not mobile or as mobile as you are in a lot of other shooters. Um, how, let's go back to House of the Dead first, though. Don't you think the camp and the awkwardness is a big part of the charm in the House of the Dead? The, the strange voiceover I mean, and like the bad translation and... I guess. I mean, I have, is it just the first one they're doing here? Yeah. That's a shame. The second one's the best one. It is for sure. Um, actually the best one is overkill. Um, but it's, that's sort of a different thing. The, the, the grindhouse one was my favorite one. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, that's part of the bad translation. I still think is not fully intentional, uh, in the originals. Um, no, it's not. Yeah, it's not intense. And I, I think some of it is um, like That's the, part of his you know, charm, every, though. In two, everybody makes fun of uh, what's his name, the bad guy. Oh, um, C, C or whatever his name is. It's like no, one G, letter. G, G. G is yeah. the G is the guy, the one of the char- main characters in the first one who dies in the beginning of uh, the second one. We're meeting yeah. G over there. Uh, the uh, the bad guy is the the business guy who has a weird name, but he you know he does like dogs of the AMS. Time they made a move, and I, I honestly believe that guy is a, a computer voice. I don't think it's a real <laughs> voice actor. Um, suffer like G did. Um, that's that's but, the big meme from the game. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's yeah. I mean, it's a little much, but like, I like like gun games. I've always enjoyed kind of that how that, that plays time credit. And like they are, they do still get made. Uh, you, you see them in arcades still. They just don't come home um, because they're sort of specific to the arcade now. What new light gun games are there in arcades? 
Uh, they did like a Transformers one for the oh, movie. Really? Uh, they did a Silent Hill one. They did, uh, they're like big sit down things. They look like photo booths, but you see them in like arcade family fun center. Well, you did until the pandemic. I don't know what that's going to look like, but there were still new ones coming out periodically. There's a like Jurassic, I always Jurassic saw just World the old one. one still in the arcade. No, I mean, like, I'm talking like re, like last 10 years or they still get made. Okay. Uh, I, I used to go to, I used to go out to, uh, God, what is that one out in San Gabriel Valley? There's an arcade out there. Um, I think is it one up or. I mean, there's been a few Never, for consoles. Ready, ready player, not ready. That's, that's a stupid book. Um, player one up or something. I don't know. There's a there's a big one. It has a lot of imported Japanese games over there and like like crane games and stuff. And they have all the current uh, like sit down uh, uh, light gun stuff, um, which yeah, they, it is still still made. It's just not particularly popular or common. Also, they're like a dollar per play. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like it's it's on, on consoles, the genre kind of died with the Wii. Like right now yeah. we're, we're we're checking out B-roll of the Dead Space like gun game. What was it called? Mm-hmm. Dead Space Extraction, I think. That sounds right. Yeah. And I have I have um I have a bunch of them on I, I think I had all the House of the Deads on the PS3. Because yeah, I, like I have like, col- like was there a collection release for PS3? Uh, either a collection or it was all of them, like a, a separately or whatever. I think there was stuff like that. But I have, you know, having just gone through my PS3, I definitely have one, two, three, and um, the and Overkill on that. And that was because I had like the light gun, the, the gun attachment things you could put the 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 PlayStation Move in oh, yeah. and use it as a light gun, which yeah. works really well. Like that was, it's a little heavy, but like it it, it worked. It was cool. And then there was like that would be the main thing I keep my PS3 Umbrella for. Chronicles, I think that's kind Umbrella of Chronicles, one. yeah, like those are good. But Umbrella Chronicles and uh, Dark Side Chronicles, I think, was the second one. Yeah, um, but other than that, like they've just disappeared. Why do you think that is? Um, the main reason is because uh, light guns stopped working on uh, LCD screens. Right. Um, uh, like the the way works. the way old light guns worked was you basically flashed a white screen on the CRT and you, like it detected which pixel of it was being contacted by the light beam that came out of the gun. And that's how it knew where you were shooting. And that no longer worked on LCD screens. So you had to do a, a different sort of like uh, feedback system and uh, that combined. So you couldn't keep moving the light guns forward that you already had. And then in, comp- in conjunction with that, um, the light gun game was sort of waning a little bit, and you hit a point where they, they you know, you couldn't put out a peripheral with a light gun that worked on both the CRT and the LED screens or the or the flat screens, plasma screens and stuff. And, uh, and as a matter of fact, I think my projection LED, like there was no way to do it at all. Um, and so, and then by the time everybody sort of had transitioned to the new TVs and you could make light guns that took advantage of them. Uh, the light gun game craze was kind of over, mm-hmm. um, and because there was a time when they were like the big deal. Uh, you know, I, I played tons oh, of time crisis with, uh, with. Oh no, they were huge on like the PS One. I remember I, I bring the PS One to party sometimes, and people would just sit in the corner and play Point Blank and Time Crisis all night. Um, like they were a big deal for a time. Uh, and I always liked it. I, I miss them. I, you know, I, well, I, I spent hundreds if, of dollars I, on them in arcades. I'd love to see if the house, this House of the Dead remake brings brings back like a light gun renaissance on Switch. I would love to see that. I would be totally into that. Do you think there, that'll happen though? Do you think there's a, I, a I desire don't for I mean, light gun games? I mean, uh, maybe. Like, look, the Switch has made weirder things blow up. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, that's all I can say about that. I mean, like, I, don't, I don't, you know, I would like it to happen because I like those games, but I'm not going to say how, how likely it is. But, you know, would I have thought Ring Fit would have blown up? No. Would I, you know, it, it yeah. is a, there's an element of unpredictability to what the Switch audience will embrace. And I'm just kind of saying, fingers crossed they embrace this because I, li- I would like to play some of those games again. And in chat, Immor- Immortal Joe brings up a good point. He has a Switch Lite. So, yeah, so you're kind of screwed. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> 
<laughs> it does kind of limit a portion of the Switch audience, yeah. the people who just bought the handheld one that you can't dock. Well, I mean, also, like, you're playing that console. Like, there's no, like... I mean, I would definitely not want to try to play it like with <laughs> with the switch on a table or something. Oh, that yeah. would be trying to aim uh, at that little. I'm not that precise screen. in my old age, so I don't think anybody is, Matt. <laughs> you just have to move the Joy-Con about a millimeter, and you'd be off the screen. I just don't think that that's yeah. going to work for anyone. I mean, I guess maybe you could do it as like a like a tap. Yeah, like you could tap your finger, but that feels like cheating. Yeah, I don't know. I struggle to see why this genre has died essentially when I think it's just because so it's a because it's a peripheral that nobody wants yeah. and it's a specialized peripheral you can't use for anything else that is a good point and it's with the switch the joy cons just do it organically right. so everybody is that it's the mobile the gaming thing again you already have it yeah now would you so. prefer if they release like some kind of a plastic shell to snap the joy con into to play this or are you cool yes with i would i would get that you prefer that. having that sort of i prefer having the, the the gun in my hand yeah interesting interesting and now that is mostly to, because I'm trying to replicate the feel of playing the old arcade games. I'm not uh-huh. saying it's that it's necessarily like a, a required way to play them. I'm sure like just holding the Joy-Con and doing that is going to be fine in terms of controls. I just when I play those games, I like to kind of have a little nostalgia trip, and and that involves holding a plastic pistol to me. Which one was the one where you had was it Time Crisis? We had to point off screen and fire to reload. Oh, most of them. Yeah, <laughs> that why is that? Why is the mechanic like that? You have to point it off screen to sh- and shoot to reload. Because it's it's a way to kind of in, it's it's a way to to indicate intention. Okay. Like if you're pulling this, it knows when you pull the pull the trigger and not pointing at the screen, it knows that's what you want to do. Um, and it's a way of doing it without putting another button on the on the thing. I think that's probably the bigger thing. Um, How expensive like time is to put a button on the side of the gun? Because time crisis, you reloaded with the pedal. Right. Well, you also ducked with the you, thing. You, yeah, you ducked, but when you ducked back, you reloaded. Yeah, right, right, right. I remember right. Yeah. These were like kind of the first like motion control active games, too, mm-hmm. if you think back. Like you had that paddle that you would put hit press with your foot to make the character duck. Um, I would get like hot and sweaty playing these games in yeah. the arcade. They're kind of and like eventually they, the they you know, games like that for a while after a while, like did use motion control like sensors so you could duck and move. You know, in in person and not use the pedal. Not time crisis, but I played a couple of games like that. Police trainer was like that too. It might be a case too. I think of these games were designed to munch quarters, and yeah. they were very very effective at that. I've literally, as I said, I've spent hundreds of dollars playing light gun games in the arcade, and a lot of arcade games when they come home, they don't have the same appeal. Or part of the problem mm. is is that they're just ports from the arcade where they were designed for you know, getting another quarter out of your pocket instead of just enjoying yourself while you're sitting on the couch. I think that's... And even if you do, you know, it's also like sometimes arcade games like that, once you have unlimited continues... Um, they lose their charm. You're, you're done in like two hours and you paid 60 bucks for it. Yeah. So, and, and like, they, you know, like the Dreamcast versions of some of those games like did a good job of adding, you know, like House of the Dead had like various other modes and like challenge modes and you have limited credits and... Um, you know, remix stuff and boss rush stuff. You know, they they added stuff to try to make it more of a value of a of a package. Um, I don't know how well they succeeded at all that. I I have light guns for the Dreamcast somewhere too. I just I thought of that. You're right um, though. All I, these games were designed to kill you a lot. So they yeah, have to but keep those don't work on like And also, TV it takes forever anymore. to beat them when you're dying and putting quarters in. But mm-hmm. when you can just continue as much as you want, it kind of loses a little bit of its allure. Yeah, there's just there's just a little bit of that. You know that it's almost like a gambling rush where it's like, how long can you last? 
um, on the, on the money you just put in this machine. And if you lose that aspect, there's less, it's less fun. Also, you know, you're usually out, you're with your friends, you're with, you're playing in the big loud arcade, you know, like you're drinking sometimes, depending if you're, you know, Dave and Buster's or whatever. Um, you know, it's just not the same thing, you know, at home. It's, it's, uh, I, I feel like, the 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 participate with plastic object uh, game that really took off at home was Rock Band and Guitar Hero, uh, which is a similar thing. It feels like something that should be an arcade experience, but it's not because there are Guitar Hero games in the arcade, but you can't hear the damn music. So. Yeah, and you also they're usually just you play by yourself too. You don't you play, play by yourself. Covers. You play two player with two guitars, and the guitars are always broken. Yep. Um, it was just, that, again, covered that's in kind Rona of a similar thing, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's not it's like that's not a thing anybody wants to do anymore without dousing the Stratocaster in a. You just have a giant like six foot tub of sanitizer. <laughs> dunk just, it like, into it. Dunk it in and pull it up, whoosh, like, whip it off, and there you go. Okay. Yeah. Do you miss light gun games really though? I do sometimes. Like I thought of that actually. It was funny. I thought of that going through the PS3 last week, like because they're all still installed on there, and I'm like, oh, that would. Yeah, I remember House of the Dead 2 and Overkill. It'd be fun to play those again. I'm like, I'm not going to dig into that door and find the move controllers and charge them up and get the plastic gun shells. Because I got also, I got two of them. Actually, believe it or not, that is the reason I bought PlayStation Move oh. controllers. I bought them to play those, ha- those House games. of the Dead games, the light gun games. And I bought the two shells so I could fucking John Woo it. Like, that's why, that's why I bought... Because I never... I always wanted to do that in the arcade, but I didn't want to spend the quarters to do it. Yep. Uh, and sure enough... Uh, it's a terrible way to play them because you can't aim properly. Um, because guess what? No one can aim with two guns like that. Like that's not that's not how anything <laughs> works. Um, but it's fun when you just you know like doing that. Um, so yeah, it's actually why I own play. You know, I use the PlayStation Move stuff for the PSVR stuff. But the reason I have those controllers is to play House of the Dead. Gotcha. So there you go. Remake of House of the Dead coming to Switch before the end of 2021. Mm-hmm. Not developed in house by Sega. Uh, but they have a pretty good partner working on it. So my guess is the game should turn out pretty well. But as always, with that genre, yeah. your mileage will vary. Uh, next I just wish up. it had all I wish it had like all three of them or something. I wish it was I mean, I like how the first House of the Dead, but it's no House of the Dead two. Yep. Two is so good. Yep. <clears throat> well, maybe they can improve some stuff in the remake so it won't be there won't be as disparity yeah. between the two games. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, next up, we're going to talk briefly about something that happened uh, with Path of Exile. Path of Exile has been going through a really, really rough patch here over the last couple of weeks. It launched a new expansion pack called Ultimatum. Um, and when the expansion launched, it was a complete disaster. People weren't able to get into queues, and people weren't able to access content. There was a bunch of issues around it. But then that kind of came to a head over the weekend when they finally got it up and working. The server queues were still literally, Matt, two hours long. That's crazy for, for that game. For That's... those of you who don't know, Path of Exile is basically a Diablo-like. It's an isometric yeah. action RPG. Um, it's been it's around for a long time at this point. In fact, Path of Exile 2 is just about ready for release at this mm-hmm. point. They've been working on it for quite a while. Uh, but they released an expansion for this. Players could not get in. The queue was two hours long. And then suddenly, players started no- noticing that streamers were able to jump the queue and were able to play. And so it started this huge uproar on social media among fans of Path of Exile. And again, <laughs> in yet another decision, a boneheaded decision from a game company, where immediately the feedback became clear and they, and they basically changed their tact on it. The studio behind Path of Exile was like, yep, we screwed up. We made a huge mistake. We never should have let 
the streamers go before everybody else. And to their credit, look, if we're going to talk about this, I want to make sure that I put into the record what their response was about this because they do explain what happened. <laughs> are these the same people that, that are responsible for sell, sending Pactor's PS5? <laughs> they might be. Um, so here was their statement. We have recently been doing some proper paid influencer marketing, had arranged to pay for two hours of streaming. We ran in right into a login queue that would take two hours to clear. This was about as close as you could get to literally setting a big pile of money on fire. Hmm. So basically they had a two-hour window that they had already paid for for streamers to stream the game. If they weren't able to play, they would be out of the contract, the streamers would be, because they were there ready to play, and they would still owe the streamers the money. Um, so we made the hasty decision to allow those streamers to bypass the queue. Most streamers did not ask for this. It's very good that they said this. Although they do say most streamers did not ask <laughs> for this. So there were some that did. Um, we also allowed some other streamers who weren't involved in the campaign to skip the queue too, so they weren't on the back foot. Um, we tell people the Path of Exile starts, uh, starts are a fair playing field for everyone, and we need to actually make sure that that is a reality. We will not allow streamers to bypass the login queue in the future. We will instead make sure that the queue works much better. This post has, has no intention of trying to convince you to be happy with these outcomes. We simply want to provide you with the insight about what happened, why it happened, and what we're doing about it in the future. We're very unhappy with it too. How do you feel about all that? I mean, that's a good response, considering um, I don't really have a problem with what they did. Like, I mean, at that point, those streamers are essentially control you know, employees, like contracted employees, and they wanted to let the people who were there paying to play the game for promotional purposes to play the game. And so they did. Like, it's the same. Like, it's like I wouldn't be mad if they let like one of their developers jump the queue either. Like, I. I don't really care, but how do you have a two hour queue for a game that's this old? Like get your shit in order. That is a good question. Um, <laughs> maybe they didn't expect it to be that popular either. Like, um, cause I, I'll tell you, I mean, I, I do play path, path of exile periodically. I, I still play it. Um, I backed it even, I think on Kickstarter. Um, and periodically, like I play it and like, yeah, there's not a line to get into that <laughs> game. Like that's what, like you barely anybody on. Like that's, when I read this story, the most amazing thing to me that anybody was in a had to be in a queue to play Path of Exile. <laughs> Exile, and I mean it's it is pretty bizarre. I mean maybe that's a testament to their game. They have a really dedicated fan base, but no matter how dedicated mm. it is, there's no way there should be a two hour wait. So this was a double ball drop on the part mm. of the studio. I mean it does happen. I mean like I you know last time one of the updates went up for Final Fantasy fourteen, I had to wait an hour to get into the damn thing. That's crazy. Um, it's just you know when and you know the, these MMOs have such uh, not that Path of Exile is a traditional MMO, but like these, a lot of these online games sort of settle into like the amount of you know audience they have on a regular daily basis, and like they're not ready for the idea that someone might care, <laughs> like if they do new stuff. Um, it's 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 a weird situation. I, I when I first read about this, I had to double check that they were actually talking about Path of Exile. I'm like, this is about Path of Exile. I get the wrong article. Like, what? <laughs> it's just such a it's, it's so mind boggling to me that that Path of Exile had a had a rush like that. It's crazy. How do you feel about them letting the streamers jump the queue? Was the amount of money they had invested in it a worthy excuse? Yeah, I, I mean, how many streamers are we talking about here? Like, I'm guessing they didn't say actually. But I'm guessing. Like, if you're talking about like 20, 30, 40 people, it gives a shit. Yeah. Like it's like, I mean, that's just a sunk cost at that point. Yeah. If you're like, talking to thousand people that you pay. Yeah, if you're thousands of streamers, I feel like you probably didn't pay thousands of streamers I don't, I don't to, so to do that. Yeah. But it sounds My like they just it's had max like a hundred of them. Yeah, I just sound like a handful of people and like they, just, they let them in because they, they had a paid deal in place. That doesn't seem all that unreasonable to me. Um, I recognize that I am not a 
person screaming on the internet um, about it who wants is waiting to get to play Path Next. <laughs> I it just, I, I'm I'm sorry. I I don't mean to belittle it, but it's just like the idea of being that upset that I can't play Path of Exile is funny to me. I mean, my um, guess is they had five to ten streamers. And, yeah, that's what I figured. And like, I would I would argue that if that is the case, that they should have just eaten the money and not let the streamers jump in queue. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not. It can't be that big of a loss of money. If the loss. Here, I'll put it this way. How about this? If you've already got people waiting two hours to get in your game, you probably don't need the streamers to promote Yeah, you it. really don't need them anyway. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. And I would also argue that if it was $100,000 or less, eat it. Like, mm-hmm. don't, like, piss off your entire community because you have a deal for a hundred grand. You don't want all your customers to go away, and then you have no, no one there for Path of Exile yeah, 2. I mean, I mean, part of this just, just seemed like people getting mad about streamers yeah like it's just like people hate streamers and so it's just like ah, people hate influencers like, yeah it's just like okay like why sure, are they like, in preferential treatment just because they have because they get money spent they're basically contracted employees and they need to get in there and do their job basically speaking and you of think people that job are... is stupid but you know it's still what happens it's money changing hands like if i'm you know if i gotta if i'm going to a game event where everybody's waiting three hours in line to get in, but I need to get in and shoot something with a camera crew. Like I'm not going to wait in that line and you're going to have to deal with it. Like, yeah. Like, you know, as someone who skipped a lot of lines because of what my profession is like, that's just how it goes. Okay. So speaking of people who are not happy with influencers right now, I just got a text from Michael Pactor. Apparently (laughs) he's been watching game face today. What's up pack? (laughs) Because he texted me. Now you have to start playing Empires and Puzzles. You, you have to do it to talk about it. Sending an invite now, and there it is, the invite for Empires and Puzzles on my phone. There you go. What's up, Pac? Much love, man. Uh, so that's funny. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> that's pretty good, Pac. And that's how Shane I think got I may actually to play Empire it. and Puzzles. <laughs> I think I may actually play it now. You gotta love Pack. Nobody you should, you should hold off for that two hundred bucks again. Why? Why are you guys all firing off the Pack emoji in the chat for him right now? There's there's a Pactor head emoji <laughs> in our chat that you guys have earned from all the crazy bits that everyone has given out and the hype trains that you guys should all have it. Uh, but anyway, what's up, Pactor? Hope you're having a good afternoon, man. Um, yeah, I agree with you, Matt. Like. It, it, <laughs> I agree with you. Like, like if it's a hundred grand or less, just eat it and let everybody in. Like, as you're to your point, if you have that many people in a queue, then there's people just want to play it already. Like, you're gonna make Mm -hmm. your money off of it anyway. So it was a bad move. I think they cleaned it up pretty well, though. They did about. Yeah, that's a good statement. I mean, as 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 apologies for things go. Like, I thought that was pretty well written. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So there you go. Like I said, we're going to talk briefly about it, but that's the latest on uh, on that game. And also, don't forget that the sequel's coming up. And if you want to see coverage on that, there's a game page on Sifted with tons of coverage of it already. It yeah. And I wouldn't wait two hours for it, but Path of Exile is really good and it's free to play. So yep. if you yep. haven't played it, give it, a, give it a try. It's actually If you like the old Diablo stuff, uh, I think it scratches the itch pretty well. And it's not like there's anything else to play right now, so why not? All right, next up, we're going to follow up on something we talked about for a long time last week. In fact, we talked about it for like an hour, and that is the whole Sony. There we go. There's all the pack emojis. Nice job, guys. (laughs) I hope Pack's still on so he can see it. (laughs) Some people posted like 20. (laughs) Awesome. Um, Anyway, so follow up on the Sony Ben story. So as we talked about last week, David Jaffe talked to uh, one of the guys who had left Sony Ben amidst all the upheaval. Uh, And this week, he followed up with the second guy we also mentioned last week. And he had another discussion with him. Matt, one thing I will say is that 
there's a bit of a feud going on now between Jaffe and Jason Schreier. Uh, because after Jaffe's interview with, what was his name, Je- Jeff Ross, the first guy mm-hmm. he talked to last week, Schreier went after him a little bit in another podcast and said, you know, you shouldn't be listening to Jaffe. And yeah, he dug into Jaffe a little bit. And you know, Jaffe's not the type to take that sitting down. So the next time, the next show that Jaffe did, the thumbnail was like this horribly distorted photo of like <laughs> Jason Schreier's face and like, it got a little dirty. So anyway, in the midst of all that, he had another follow-up interview with somebody else who had left Sony Bend. Um, and this one went. This one was a little more tame. Not much news came out of this, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, let's see. The guy's name was John Garvin. He was the lead writer on the game. He also, according to him, was the, the lead designer uh, because he ended up saying that one of the things that he said that was really interesting, one, was he he basically said, look, if you guys want sequels to games, you need to buy the original at full price. That seemed to be a little controversial to some people, and Jaffe's reply to that was, well, how do we know if we should buy the game at full price if we haven't played it or some crap like that? Um, the same excuse that a lot I of mean, people I mean, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. It's true. Like, it's... You're buying something blonde, you know, it's like, it's one thing that that seems like a very strange thing to say about Days Gone for two reasons. Number one, uh, it's an unproven new IP. So how do you know, like, like Jaffe said, how do you know if I like it before, if I want to throw 60 bucks at something, if there's, you know, if there's no way to play it first. Um, And number two, um, I am not happy I bought Days Gone for 60 bucks. Like, like I don't, I yeah, I would like to see a Days Gone too. But part of the reason I like to see a Days Gone too is to refine a lot of the unfinished concepts in the first game. Yeah. So no, I don't think that game was worth sixty bucks. Um, so like, and, and like, yeah, it's like economically speaking, from a business standpoint, that is a very it's a truism. Yeah, if you want you want to see another one, everybody needs to buy it at the highest price possible and up those launch numbers. But um, that is a dumb thing to do if you're a consumer basically if you if you're not already sure you're going to like something like that's ridiculous to me like okay like if, yeah, well then if you want me to buy that at 60 bucks you need to make a better game yeah i mean i think a lot of people would agree with you but i think a lot of people would disagree with you because there is a pretty large group of people who loved this game yeah but i, I don't think even the people who love that game are going to deny that it took a couple patches for it to be what they yeah. love I'd agree with that. You know, what was there at launch was not probably worth jumping into day one. Like what, you know, even the people that really talk that game up uh, as one of the best games of the year, uh, in addition to being wrong, are like (laughs) willing to admit in general that like it took some love and care to get it there over a couple of months. Yeah. Um, And I'd agree with that as well. I had a lot of problems with it when I played it at first. Um, It was... I don't think I ever finished it either. The game is gigantic. No, I never finished. It's and, huge, and and it's not fun to traverse, which is what yeah. like one. That's what got me about that game is like I didn't mind playing it uh, all that much, and I didn't once I got out. Once you get out of the section where like you're talking to Boozer all the time, and you've kind of gone to more camps, and you still got more characters to deal with, I like that better. But I would hit points where I'd come back from a mission, and like the thought of having to go out there and like micromanage the bike's fuel again through the yeah. whole thing just was like it just it would just made me turn the game off I, like i just didn't want to me. do it anymore same exact for me and look john garvin did address a lot of this stuff he also said the game was originally supposed to be 80 hours long good lord no one needs that he said scott Rody showed up and just started chopping and he said as the person who wrote the game it was very difficult because 
everything's tied together. He's, so he's like, you know, if you cut out this conversation, then this thing that happens later doesn't make yeah, sense. The, and Scott would be like, then cut that too, bro. Cut that too. Yeah. <laughs> also, the, the narrative, the first, the narrative that comes in the first like 20 hours of the game could have taken one. Yeah. That like, was another that, argument. He that said that whole section of Boozer being injured and stuck and doing that, that could all have been done in an hour and a half. Like, he said but it in took focus me testing. And you wonder why they didn't remove that. He said in focus testing, everyone complained about it, that it took, Way too long to get to the first camp, and yeah. and he basically and even said, longer to get to the first horde. He like, said horde he could, killing yeah. takes forever. He said he couldn't cut it because it was the most polished part of the game that they had oh, shown boy. at trade shows over and over. <laughs> and if they took it out, people would be like, "Oh, it's bait and switch." And then he talked about, "Do you remember the golf cart ride that lasted like twelve minutes? It's a ride and talk." Oh, yeah, where you get the tour of the yeah, thing. Yeah, that was originally 15 minutes long. Good God. And they cut it down to eight. And then that's what he said. He's like, we had, like, walk and talk, ride and talks that were like that all the way through mm-hmm. the game. We ended up chopping them all out. And he that said it stuff was- happens in development. Like, sometimes, like, these developers have these ideas that you're going to be willing to sit. You know, the in the first Assassin's Creed where you had, like, where you had to sit and eavesdrop on people? Yep. Yeah. And where you get to listen like a little quick conversation. Those eavesdropping sections used to, were originally fifteen minutes of conversation. <laughs> you had to to. And it's just yeah. like who in the well, you got to realize who this is a problem thinks- with the game director being the same person as the lead writer. Right. That's the problem. Like you no have one's a guy who's supposed to babies, check himself, basically. who's not going to check himself. So. Yeah. That was one of the other interesting things that he brought up. But then, probably- as a writer for any kind of project like this, film or TV or game, you have to be ready to cut your favorite part out to make it all fit as a as a as a larger whole. And that clearly didn't happen. Yeah, in I mean, it still gone. ended up being a bloated game. Let's be honest; yeah. it, it was bloated. And he did, he spent a lot of time talking to Jaffe, defending that. But probably the most interesting thing that he said in the whole conversation, other than people need to buy games at full price if they want to see a sequel, is that. Any game at PlayStation, any first-party PlayStation game that gets a 70, you can pretty much guarantee that the director is going to be fired. That any Metacritic score of 70 or lower, that game's never getting a sequel at PlayStation, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, here's the crazy I mean, this, thing. This news does not surprise me. Me really. either. He had actually left Sony Bend like right after the game launched because... He knew he was going to be fired, basically. He didn't say that outright, but between all his statements put together, you can gather that he's like, I was going to be fired anyway. I might as well go out on my own accord. So he's actually been gone from this from the studio since like mid-2019 at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Joe, the, guy, the other guy we talked about last week, he's talking around until the end of last year. So he was there yeah, for Yeah, he like, just left in December, right? And he's the one, right. And he's the one who ended up dealing with like the new workforce and was having issues dealing mm-hmm. with the younger employees and blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, he said that if any get like he said even Gravity Rush too, which got I think it ended with like an eighty Metacritic. Yeah, that, that did okay. That that team was still dissolved. <laughs> yeah, because it didn't sell. Right. Yeah. So he basically said, you know, developing games for Sony par- first party is high stakes, and yeah. if you don't deliver, you're gonna have to find a new job, and that's one of the reasons I mean, he got out of the ecosystem. That's everything. Yeah. That's everyone. Yeah. Like, but like you know, it's, I mean, sure. If you're not working for Sony, you're doing your own thing. If your game doesn't sell, your company dissolves because you don't have the money to keep it up. Like yeah. that's business. It like, how? Business. What do you think's going to happen? Like, that's very weird. That was like, something that to, to treat that as some kind of like insight is strange to me. Yeah, that was something that. Well, that was something that John Garvin was using to explain what happened at Bend, 
Whereas mm-hmm. Joe, who was on the show the week prior, had a kind of a different set of reasons why everything went to crap. So it was just kind of a different perspective. And mm-hmm. one was from well, the, one, the other guy seemed to be what was it Ross? Yeah, Jeff Ross. Yeah, he seemed to be more about the aftermath of what yeah. happened. And yeah. Garvin was more talking about sort of because Garvin was more directly responsible for the Metacritic yeah. scores. Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, I, I I guarantee you could have gotten three or four more Metacritic points if you hadn't spent that much time riding around trying to get medicine for Boozer. Yeah, and the long rides on the motorcycle where the exposition yeah. would happen. And um, it wouldn't be it wouldn't have been that bad if the if the goddamn thing to run out of fuel all the time. Yeah, like it's, if I could just ride the bike, it would be fine. Yeah, it didn't like, need the survival elements in it. I mean, there's a lot of stuff no. they could have done to fix the game, and now they'll never. Like, there's a bunch of cool. stuff I like in in concept, but it's that's why I say about the sequels. Like, I think if you did another one, you would be able to refine those into something that holds together better. Uh, also, like you can talk about the polished part about what you showed at the, like, in the in the demos and stuff all you want, but the thing I remember being shown in the demos was the goddamn horde stuff, right. and that doesn't come into the game until like 30 hours in yeah. or something. Like I. Didn't Running that for forever. All the simulation stuff I thought bogged the game down, like having to get yeah. ga- gasoline for stuff or anything, like having to get it for like the generators and like. Mm-hmm. You're right. It never got to the fun parts quick enough. It took way too long to deal with the first horde, and then the hordes were too difficult to deal with at first. Like it, I could go on and on about the problems mm-hmm. with the game, but those are kind of that's the crib notes version. Again, I do recommend you go and check out Jaffe's channel to watch the whole thing. It's another like hour and a half or two hour conversation, not as juicy as the Jeff Ross interview that he did the week prior. Uh, but you, I will say this, you do, and I do like this about Jaffe's show and his content in general, is you do get a better idea of what really happens at development studios. Um, yeah, this North- one was more interesting in terms of like what it's like to make a game like that. Because he talks a lot like about, you guys the aftermath know who Scott, who Scott Rohde is. Scott Rohde is basically the cop inside Sony First Party Studios. He works on every Sony First Party game. He goes around to the studios. He travels. He goes and checks out the latest builds. He gives them feedback on what they need to fix with the games. He's awesome, by the way. He is, like, one of the best people that I've ever worked with in the industry. And when I say work with, I mean, like, interviewed and then may have had a beer or two with later at the bar. Um, he just also seems really like, given his track record, they might have wanted to listen to him a little closer. Right, right. And he, well, he said, he's like, everybody respects Scott Rohde. And when he shows up, you do listen. And you do what he tells mm-hmm. you to because he's the proof is in the pudding. You know, the games that he goes and works on, they become successful games. So it wasn't that he was rebelling against Scott Rohde or rejecting what he told him. He just seemed to come up with a million ideas in his head why the game needed to be exactly the way he thought the game needed to be. And it did not work out, and now he's working somewhere else. So I think that's the end of the road on this Sony Ben Days Gone story. (laughs) Um, Jaffe's now had the two guys in there. And again, I do uh, suggest you go and check it out. In fact, this interview is on Sifted. You can go Mm -hmm. to the Days Gone page on Sifted, and it's there. Um, also, just like on the subject of the, like Sony, if you put up like a like a cheat that like triples the amount of gas in the in the bike, I will pay you like a dollar ninety nine for that. Just so that's I can DLC that worth game. paying for, right? Yeah, I will. I will buy that cheat code from you. <laughs> okay, we're gonna move on to our final topic of episode two fifty two, and as you guys probably guessed from the beginning of the show, what it would be, you were right. It is Resident Evil Village this week. Really, the game was laid bare in a number of ways. So Game Informer started doing its cover coverage of Resident Evil Village. Um, 
Capcom had its own RE showcase, the second one for Resident Evil Village. And then yesterday, IGN published a video preview of Resident Evil Village based upon the first five hours of the game. Matt, how angry do you think uh, Game Informer was when Capcom informed them that IGN was going to do a video preview based on the first five hours Hmm. of the game? I probably weren't too thrilled. I realized that they still couldn't turn down the cover access for the game, um, but I think it kind of shows you where magazines are right now. Typically, you lock down an exclusive, give a game a cover like that. IGN is not publishing a video preview like two days later. That's just not the way it used to happen. But mm-hmm. magazines are in dire straits, and they got to take what they yeah. can get at this point. And Game Informer doesn't really have the clout it used to. It's true. Um, and truth be told, of everything, the RE showcase really gave up the most information anyway. Um Where do we even start with this? Maybe we'll start with something people don't expect, and that is the fact that Mercenaries is coming back. Matt, were you surprised by this at all, or did you think that that was just going to be the case because people have been requesting it for so long? Um, I I mean, I guess probably the latter for as much as I care about it. Um, Do you you not like it? Did you not play Mercenaries? Like on Resident Evil 4, yeah. I mean, they did it up until 6, I think? Sure. I think, I think four, five, and six all had mercenaries. I, I don't. I'm not a multiplayer person, really, and I don't find Resident Evil's gameplay to be fun enough on its own to want to do multiplayer with it. So, okay. not. Re- I don't really care about mercenaries now. Interesting. Um, well, here's all the details on it, and Matt, you can just tune out for a minute here. <laughs> um, if you guys forgot what mercenaries is, it's basically it's kind of like it's a little bit like Left for Dead. You have to fight through a gauntlet of enemies and reach the end of the stage, but you have a timer that ticks down. So that adds the the tension, it really ratchets up the tension of trying to complete each each round. Um, and then the new additions for Resident Evil Village, there's an in-game shop between each stage where you can buy items and upgrades from Duke. And Duke is that portly fellow that you've been seeing in the recent trailers. He also is in the single-player campaign as a merchant. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but you visit him in between each stage, and you can buy consumable items, you can buy upgrades, you can customize your weapons, and you can buy special abilities, which are like buffs. Uh, some of the stuff that they showed and mentioned was increased weapon damage, uh, faster movement speed, hit point recovery, uh, like defensive buffs, and you, if you watch some of this footage very closely, you can see exploding enemies as well. I don't know if that's a buff or if they're just in the game or if it's like an ability that you can pay for or whatever. But obviously, if you do have that ability and you pick the right enemy to explode, it could take out some other enemies along with them, which could add a nice layer of strategy to it. Matt, why have you... It's not really like a multiplayer thing. Did you not play Mercenaries in RE4 at all? Yeah. I mean, more of a co-op thing, as I recall. Yeah, it was. But... You can also play it by yourself if you want to. You don't. And it, yeah, I mean, I did. I just, you know, without someone else, it it kind of felt just like okay, just an inevitable death coming as the waves wash over you. I don't know. It just does. I I don't find the gameplay that enchanting. I'm more for the overall sort of campaign experience. I mean, it is a little better now with RE7 in Village. Now that yeah, um, like the first person, first person like the, the gameplay might lend itself better to that. Now I don't know. It's it's not a it's not a selling point to me. I think it's a good chance. I like I liked it. I didn't love it. Some people loved it. Like I know some people oh, yeah. that got I, I know. more I, to that. I have some play friends who played it obsessively. So I think it's smart for them to bring it back, and it's. I think the changes that they've made to it have made it deeper, uh, something that you mm-hmm. can play for a lot longer. What I really it definitely adds it, value to the package. I yeah. mean, not to me, but in general, it does. Mm-hmm. What I liked about it is that it gave you a chance to take on all the enemies from the campaign. 
in very short, like, bursts. Whereas, you know, the, the way the campaigns go in Resident Evil, you almost see enemies in, like, depending on where you are. Like, there's this mm-hmm. one area where there's flying enemies, and then the, you're in the mansion, and there's another type of enemy that you're fighting all the time. And as you make progress, you see these different enemies depending on the location that you're at. Uh, what I liked about Mercenaries was it just threw them all into the wash. And you, but then you also remember how you had tackled those enemies in the campaign, and that helped you play Mercenaries. Uh, the other thing I'm wondering, too, is if this Mercenaries will only unlock after you finish the campaign. Because if I remember correctly, that's the way RE4 was, right? Uh, that sounds right. Or at the very least, uh, you so much stuff was unlocked by playing the campaign that it wasn't really worth playing Mercenaries until you finished the campaign. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure on that. I think yeah, that was the case, though, at least the original GameCube version. I think you had to finish I definitely the remember waiting for other people to finish the game before we started playing Mercenaries mode yeah. in, in one of them. Maybe it wasn't RE4, but it was something. Because like, I remember sitting here, one of the one of the four of us that still was like behind on finishing the campaign. We had to wait like an extra day or two for them to finish the game before it was worth playing Mercenaries together. Yep. So I do enjoy it, and I think it's a great addition. I like that they beefed it up and added a little bit more uh, strategy to it. Um, so I think it's a good addition. It's better than like tacking on some goofy multiplayer mode. I mean, like they showed in the first RE showcase. Remember that thing that had like the cell shaded characters and all that crap. Yeah, that didn't look good. Yeah, apparently there's a beta for that launching today, I believe. I think I saw it on Sifted earlier today, that there's like a beta launching today for that, but it only runs for 24 hours. Good luck with that Yeah, I mean, Mercenaries makes a lot more sense to me as a permut- as an online kind of multiplayer permutation of Resident Evil than like any of the other ones they've done. Yeah. Like, you know, it certainly is. Resident Evil as a competitive multiplayer game is silly to me. Yeah, I could see that. It's better now, though, that it's all first person. I think it... It provides more opportunities. Maybe that's why they've moved it to first person, what seems like permanently. It's because it does crack things open a little bit to be a little more adventurous with game modes and extras and things like that. Um, we'll see if it lasts, but I'm guessing probably RE is in first person for the foreseeable future. That would be my guess anyway. I think that's probably not true. No. But uh, maybe as long as they stick with Ethan yeah, as the character. I feel like that part, because they went first person for VR. Um, and they seem to just be carrying that forward in this one. And I wonder if part of that is because this was originally going to also be VR and they just sort of gave up on it early on. And we're just like, well, it's already first person. And instead of redoing everything, let's just keep going. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll be interested to see if Resident Evil 9 is first person and you don't play as Ethan, uh, then I would agree with you that this is just what Resident Evil is going to be from now on. But the fact that they did the remakes of two and three in third person to me says that they are still willing to do that and still able to do that. Yep. Um, and, and we'll then, see about Resident Evil 4's remake too. I mean, that that I wonder I wonder if they'll do anything first person in that, even if like a se- secondary mode or something. Well, they also announced during that showcase that Resident Evil 4 is coming to mm-hmm. Oculus Quest. And so I'm wondering if the rumors that were supposed to be Resident Evil 4 remake were actually this. Could be. Could be both. Because sometimes that does happen. Like, you get word that, like, oh, they're working on a new Resident Evil 4 project. And you think to yourself, well, Mm -hmm. then it has to be. What else would that be? What else could it be? And then something like this gets announced, and you're like, oh, that's what it Mm -hmm. was. It's not not 100%, but I'm just putting it out there. Although, if you're you're updating Resident Evil 4, you might as well put it out on the new systems. Yeah. After after the success of the other two remakes, it feels like if I were Capcom, I'd be remaking all of them. Yeah, why not? Yeah, especially RE4, which is heralded as the greatest in franchise yeah. history. 
Um, but I was a little put off by that. I was like, oh, that means that we may not actually be getting a legit remake of RE4. The game still looks will. great as well, by the way. Like, I'm watching B-roll of it right now. It still looks freaking awesome. Yeah, the, the argument that Resident Evil 4 doesn't really need a remake is 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 valid. But, like, I think you could I think it could stand a coat of paint. Yeah. How long has it been now? What year did that come out? It came out in 2005, I want to say. That sounds about right. Yeah. Like, January 2005. That sounds right to me. Um, love that game. Still love it. Just watching yep. this B-roll makes me want to play it again. It's just. I remember seeing that so the first good. time. I, so I think the first time I saw that was at like Capcom's Vegas event in like January, like 2004, like a year before it came out. And like no one had seen it before. It was, you know, because we'd seen that like one one trailer with Chris Redfield and like the the ghosts and stuff. And like it would turn out to not be, you know, the early version a lot. Yeah, the and crazy then they enemy with it. like the scythe or whatever, the yeah. scissors that like, yeah. And they premiered it with like, um, uh, yeah, it was like a scissor man kind of thing from yeah. Clock Tower. So, yeah, they uh, and they premiered it at this event. That was like the big thing they did at the end of the event. We play all played. I remember coming back and to to X play and being like, "This thing's fucking crazy, guys! <laughs> like it's amazing!" Like, yeah. like and, and like every, you and Sessler and the other like, he doesn't like horror games this yeah. much. Why is he so excited about this thing? Like, like you, know, you were you were like, and you're like, you're like it's behind the your aim and stuff. Like, that doesn't sound like Resident Evil. I'm like, no, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, that's the point. That's why it's so awesome. Yeah, because like, yeah, exactly. watching, we're watching like the big like ogre boss fight right now. Just there's so many awesome moments in this. Like when he mm-hmm. just rips the tree up by the roots and swings it at you. Like, <laughs> yeah, and I get like the people like the purists who you know I know, knew several of them that were purists who the, who thought that the move away from the you know the awkward tank control controls and the frustrating inability to see what you're shooting at uh, was like oh you ruined it because like that was like that was what art resident (laughs) evil is and i was like i mean you're not wrong but also that sucks so resident evil 4 is way better like i I love resident evil 4 it's still the best in the series to me okay let's get back to village because we have a lot to get to and we're running out of time um so as i said there's been all kinds of reporting on village over the last week uh, you could go on sit and you could read all the stories or watch all the video previews, or you could listen to me for like the next five minutes. Um, it is a direct sequel to RE7, and as I said when the first time, uh, the first time I saw it, it is a combination of RE7 and RE4. Um, the gameplay in the game feels a lot like Resident Evil 4. I think that'll make a lot of people happy. Little stuff like being able to shoot the enemies in the leg and it hobbles them. Uh, being able to like melee attack enemies after you execute a block, all those little cool gameplay tweaks that were in RE4 have made it into, and we're just going to call it RE8 uh, instead of saying village every single time. Um, as far as everyone can tell, there are no zombies in the game so far. All the enemies no, just, are just werewolf farmers or lichens. Yeah, they have the people have been changed into werewolves instead of zombies. Now, obviously, you know the what's her name again? I always keep forgetting her name. Oh, the giant, giant vampire lady Q or whatever her and her daughters they appear to be vampires at least that's yeah. what it seems to be and then yeah, the rest are lichens um let's see uh the enemies it's are lycanthropes not moss yeah the enemies are smart oh, so resident evil could have moss monsters too like yeah. they could do that the enemies are smart just like re4 as well you can barricade doors in this and even in the demo that was released that matt and i are going to talk about you could barricade the doors in that. However, they'll move the barricades. So just because you barricade something, that doesn't mean you're safe. It just buys you a little bit of time. Um, so the demo, that the first demo that came out, it's actually out of chronological order from the way the game actually plays. Um, the second demo that just came out yesterday or the day before after the presentation 
it actually for eight hours take yeah takes place before the demo that we played first and you arrive in the village there's some a little bit of stuff that happens before you get to the village but you arrive at the village there's a creaky old woman there um she warns you about lady demisq i don't know if i'm saying her name wrong demistricu i think maybe is how you say it the whole village basically worships her and she's up in the castle they're down in the village and apparently she has protected them for many years. And my guess is she has protected them from the lycanthrope, the, the werewolves, who have suddenly gone crazy and they are now starting to prey on the village. And that's where this new second demo picks up. And we'll again, we'll get into that in a lot of detail in a minute. Um, but really the thing that kind of piqued my interest about all the coverage of this is that the, what we're seeing now is a very small part of the game. So... It almost sounds like you leave like Lady Demiscu in the dust. Like you somehow your confrontation with her ends, and she's just like kind of the part of the of the game because one of the one piece of coverage shows a map, and her area is just like a dot on the map. And then there's just these like ten or twelve other locations scattered around the map. So this isn't a Resident Evil game where you the whole game takes place inside the mansion or takes place in her case mm-hmm. in this castle. You go to a bunch well, of it takes place locations. in a village, clearly. In a village. And there but there's a lot more locations. Like RE seven, for the most part, took place in just like one general location. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't adventuring. Well I think uh, there was definitely that one clip from a few weeks ago where she like Lady Demister Q is that her name? I don't know, dude. That's as best as I can pronounce it. <laughs> uh, lady, uh, she she definitely answers to somebody else. Yeah, people are calling her or whatever. Yeah, Dim- Dimitrescu. Dimitrescu. Yeah, I guess, let's go with that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's phonetically what they, I don't think they said it in the demo. He called her Mother Miranda or something. Yeah. Um, unless it's somebody else. Um, and she was clearly answering to someone, then she hung up and flips the desk, throws the desk across the room because she's mad. Like, so she's clearly an underling of some kind. Um, like, I don't think we've seen the big bad. Right. Uh, but look yet. at all the hype she's generating. Oh, she's yeah. She's just like, like the they, first They knew boss. who to push on this one. Like, yeah, she's uh, she's going to be a cosplay staple. Yeah, I mean, that me. makes me excited, though, to think that she's just kind of the first boss that you really have to take down, and there could be other bosses just as awesome and intimidating as she is. Um, what else? Let's see. So you get to the castle eventually once you fight through the village, and we're starting to see footage now of the village demo that was up this weekend for just eight hours, as Matt mentioned. We're going to talk about that in a second. Um, And you fight through the village, and then you get to her castle, and then the objective is you have to take out her three daughters, and then you take her out. Ethan is captured by them. He's tortured and sent to the basement, and that's where the first demo picks up. So the first demo was you waking up in a cell in the basement, and then getting out of the basement and going back up into the castle where you end up meeting up with the daughters and uh, Lady Miranda, it's easier to say, I guess, again. Yeah, I don't know if that's actually her mother Miranda is the same person as Lady Demister Q. But, you don't uh, think so? I'm not sure. Like yeah, I'm I couldn't either, tell because they pray to her at one point and they seem to they seem to you know, she's keeping it safe. So I think maybe she means they mean her. I don't know. I wasn't yeah, sure. I'm not clear. Um and Lady Demistracu is like Nemesis. She follows you all over the castle. Um, now, she's slower than Nemesis, and people have said that it's not quite as intense from a combat perspective. However, they said there's a lot more puzzles in Village, and you have to solve puzzles while she's bearing down on you. So think about that. 
<clears throat> I think that's a pretty cool idea. You have to solve a puzzle using your mind while you're worried about physical harm coming from this 10-foot-tall vampire lady. Um, so they said that the puzzles aren't crazy intense. If you could just sit there and do them at your leisure, they wouldn't be that hard to solve. The problem is solving them while she's breathing down your neck. Again, I think that's a really cool idea and a little bit of a twist from what we're used to with the franchise. Um, and they said also that those puzzles are kind of like benchmarks in the game and that when you solve one, they're a big moment that unlocks generally unlocks a huge new section of the environment or the castle for you to explore. Um, they also said, like Resident Evil 4, that oftentimes you fight against large numbers of enemies. Um, the demo that you're seeing right now, I think the most I fought against was like two or three at a time, something like that. Um, mm -hmm. And they weren't too hard to handle. They did take a lot of shots though before they went down, it seemed like to me. Um, you only get like, in the first fight, you only have one shotgun shell and then like 10 handgun shells. And I think I ended up using all my ammo to drop the two uh, were werewolves. Um, but yeah, you fight against large groups of enemies, just like RE4. And as I said earlier, the enemies do change based on your location. Eventually, you end up fighting like flying enemies, which isn't something you get a lot of in Resident Evil. Uh, we talked about the weapon merchant earlier. His name is Duke. He's the portly fellow. He ends up appearing in the village eventually. And everyone who has played the game so far has, has said that he is like the angel. That after you've been through like these intense moments inside the game, he is the moment of respite where you can kind of go and reset, restock, um, improve your weapons. Um, there's also crafting in the game, Matt. I don't know how you feel about that. But um, I mean, it's not super different from combining herbs, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it gets pretty intense in this. Like, you're picking up scrap and stuff like yeah. that. I mean, I don't mind the idea of being able to make my own bullets, like, just to, to kind of offset the, the scarcity of ammo. I mean, that's what like I'll be this. spending all my scrap on. <laughs> I'll just be honest with you. Like, that's the thing about Resident Evil. And one big change was for RE4 was it wasn't like one of those games where you're counting your ammo all the time. And I liked mm -hmm. that about Resident Evil 4. And it does, I will say this, it does take a little bit away from the survival horror elements of the game. Um, I won't disagree with any of that. Um, but I think sometimes you just have to make progress. And I feel like giving you the ability to make your own ammo is one way to do that. And it keeps the game from just kind of becoming a slog as well. I know a lot of people like the ammo preservation. They feel like it's part of the strategy. I totally get it. I've played, I don't know how many Resident Evils that have it. I'm good. Like, I'm ready to move on and to have that part of the game kind of come up with the sort of the way modern action games are today. Um, and then the final part was that they said that the castle is just one chapter of a gigantic game. So Resident Evil 7 was not that big. If I remember, it took me 10 hours maybe to finish it, something like that. I don't know how much of that was the fact that it was a VR game kind of holding back its breadth and the development of the game in general. Um, but it appears that Village is going to be a much bigger game than what we experienced with Resident Evil 7. Uh, just some final tech stuff on it. Um, the game runs at, according to Digital, Digital Foundry, runs around 45 frames per second. Although, if you, and that's with ray tracing on. If you disable ray tracing, then you can get it to 60 frames per second at 4K. Um, now let's talk about the demo, which we're seeing footage of right now. First of all, let's just talk about how they're handling this demo, because that's a whole topic all on its own, Matt, to be perfectly honest mm -hmm. with you. This demo was rolled out to PlayStation first, so PS5 and PS4. On Saturday, you had an eight-hour window to play it. And if you didn't mm -hmm. play it within that eight-hour window, you couldn't play it at all. Um, 
on top of Which I did that. not realize originally. A lot of people didn't. And intended to come back and finish it Sunday and then couldn't. Although it turned out I was a lot further than I thought I was. Yeah. Um, so, but like it, I, that it is the most my, I mean, I think was it, I think Nathan Grayson wrote something on Kotaku today that was called uh, something like the way they're doing the resident evil village demo is the dumbest shit ever. And I'm like, I can't really disagree with that. It is pretty like, stupid. The, so like, not, if you're trying to do a demo, to, like let me to play, test your game to see if I want to buy it. Why are you limiting it like that? It's so weird. So not only did you only have an eight hour window to play it. So we can't tell you to go play it now because it's gone. The other part is that you just, you had a 30 minute limit of pl- actually playing right. it. So if you didn't complete it in 30 minutes, you just ended up being left off where you were. Now, pro tip, in case they decide to do this again. And it's locked to your account, right? Like, you can't even do it again. You can do it again, but you, you have to use a different account. So Right, like, this log, like once once my gamer tag or whatever right. is done with 30 minutes, like, you can't ever play it again. Right, but if you have another account on your PlayStation, you can switch to that account, and you can play it again. And I did do that. And the first time I played through it, I ended up becoming, like, one room short of finishing it. Like, Matt, I got to the part where, like, she died in the fire. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, and then I got to the part where I got out of the house, and I was out on the landing, and that's where it stopped. So, basically, all I had to do was jump down, and then run, and, wa- and then use the crest, and walk through the doors. And then the second time I played it, I finished it in five minutes. 5.50 <laughs> or something like that. In this demo, Matt, I- I'm a little concerned if this is the way the whole game is going to be. Because cinematics literally took up 25 minutes of the 30-minute playtime. It come to be. I mean, I did do a little bit of wandering around trying to figure out what to do. But Mm -hmm. the bulk of the 30 minutes was spent watching cinematics. Um, That seems a little tilted in one direction to me. For a gameplay first guy, that's yeah, a little Yeah, I mean, concerning. I'm thinking, like, that is early on still, and it's clearly a stat. You know, it, this felt very Resident Evil 4, both in, in also in the sense that, like, it reminded me of when Leon arrives in the in the village for the first time and has to sort of get his bearings and what the hell is going on around here. Right, yeah. Um, it's clearly very early in the game because Ethan still doesn't know what's happening. Um, so I would imagine it opens up a little more as you once you get past this part. Uh, and kind of get to start exploring the castle, um, but yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of narrative, and a lot of it is the actors are doing their best to deliver some really badly written dialogue. Um, like the, once you get in the in the house with the meeting with all the survivors, like the one drunk guy is like really embarrassingly bad. Yeah, that is really bad. That performance is awful. So you have the one guy who's pissed off. So. Basically what happens is you fight through the section you're seeing right now. Eventually you come to homes where there are normal people who are cowering in their homes. They let you in. The one guy is, like, all pissed off that you, they let you in. He just completely overacts the script. It's, mm-hmm. It is very off-putting. I mean, he doesn't have much to work with from the script either. Yeah, the script like, isn't great either. Every I'm like, 90% of the lines in this demo are literally so generic horror trope that you could lift them from almost any other movie. And and you see them, you can hear the actors struggling to deliver some of them, where it's just like, how do I say this? Kind of, it's, it's not great. Like, and so that guy's speech in particular felt like it had been run through a couple of translators. <laughs> yeah, um, which it probably has. Um, but I will say this, like the, even in this little 30-minute demo, there's a couple moments, though, that were pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. so the one girl's father has been bitten by one of the lycanthropes, and you, you're trying to save him. You take him inside. 
Um, and you go inside After the house. After you find them in a, in a house with a door that does not seem to lock. Yeah. Because <laughs> like... you just walk right in. And they're like, like cowering inside from the werewolves or whatever. Uh, but anyway, the one girl has a father. You're trying to help her save him or whatever. He turns. And he just, ta- he just takes this machete and just buries it like halfway into this woman's body. And I was like, damn. Like, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I am a little concerned. You're right. Like I look back at RE4, and there really wasn't like a lot of setup explaining what was going on. Like you just walk into the village, and people are acting weird, and they yeah. leave it. And then the bell rings, and it's just time to run. And but, they leave uh, it to you to kind of yeah. figure it out. This is a lot more overt storytelling. Like there's yeah. people. Like immediately, there's someone explaining to you it, mostly what's going on. Like yeah. this but woman used to like after very... us. Now she's not, and these monsters are running around. But it's notable that they very quickly kill everyone in their house, <laughs> and you, then you continue on by yourself, and like you know, just, it feels like it feels like flavor more than yeah, portent of heavy narrative in the future. I'm sure Lady What's Her Name is gonna you know. That's what we're gonna call and, her from now on, Lady What's Her Name. Yeah, I mean, once I hear them <laughs> say it in the game more often, I'll be able to replicate that. But I, Demetrius Q, I don't know. Yeah, they made it really complicated for really no reason. But um, well, I mean, I get they're, you're going for a Dimitri thing, so I, I get it. I get where the where the pedigree of that is coming from etymologically, but I just don't know how they want to want me to pronounce it yet. Um, I will say that, like, uh, even as someone who played like a, I think I played like the demo of seven, and I never played the the uh, main game. Um, this this is infinitely more interesting to me than the uh, premise wise than like guy trapped in Texas Chainsaw Massacre house. Like, I do not care about a weird murdery family. Uh, in a house but this is a much more interesting idea to me and like it's uh kind of it lends itself better to the exploration idea um i do like that there's like thing like the wells and stuff you see around like there's things like oh this needs another object i'm like okay so i'll be coming back here with other stuff to yeah. to open more things and do that kind of like i like what i'm seeing so far for sure, um, which I haven't said about a Resident Evil game in a very long time. Yeah, um, the Resident Evil Four uh, influence is tangible, and that is Strong. a good thing. Yeah, and it's a really good thing. It has it has me very excited. I'm very excited for this game. I really enjoyed this demo. I think what Capcom is doing with it is absolutely idiotic. Like, yeah, not only the eight hour window to play it, not just the thirty minute window, but like the exclusivity on PlayStation mm-hmm. and the schedule for it is so freaking confusing. Like it is just a bizarre thing. It's a it's a commercial. Why it really are you is. making it hard to be be advertised to? I don't get it at all. It's really dumb. It is eventually coming to Xbox. It is eventually coming to PC. Um, but the schedule for it is all goofy. I don't know if a mm-hmm. third demo is actually going to be released or not. There is. There's a countdown on it now. Oh, there is. This is like four days and whatever hours till the next demo. Huh. So it is pretty cool that we'll have gotten three demos of this game before it comes out. Like, I like that part of it. It's just that yeah. it, the way the distribution is working, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, I was like, why can't you just let people play that one until the next one? If you want to lock each demo out as the next one comes out, I guess okay. But, like, why not give people a week to play this one until the next one comes out? Yeah. I, don't, I just don't get it. I don't get it either. But I will say this. If the objective of a demo is to make you more excited to play the game. This absolutely did it. And I would say... Yeah, that, that, the mission accomplished in that regard. But I, I would say, say the first demo really didn't. The first demo was like this boring, like, find this item down in this creepy dungeon and then mm-hmm. go upstairs and then there's a little piece of action and then it ends. 
Yeah, I didn't play the first one. You didn't uh, miss but anything. This, but this one, like, uh, I mean, I was already gonna, you know, I was already gonna play this one, play this game. There's nothing else coming out yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, no, I, I, this was a, this, it was a positive experience. Like, it didn't. I was ready for this to kind of make me go, oh no, I'm not gonna like this. Maybe I'll just back off entirely, just like I did with seven. But uh, no, I, I, I am uh, I am more interested now after this demo. Yeah, I'm really hyped for it. Like, really, really excited for it. Um, and it's coming pretty soon. That's the good news. Like, yeah. we don't have to wait much longer for this game to come. My God, have we waited a long time Couple for a of weeks. game. Couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about what comes out Friday. But uh, What's Friday? The Nier remake. Oh, that's right. Nier Replicant? Replicant. Yeah. yeah. Nier Replicant, bunch of numbers. Yeah, which, again, why? <laughs> I don't know, but I love I love the original near. Um, I I do actually prefer old dad uh, near hero <laughs> versus young hot brother Nero near yeah. hero Nero. I don't know, but uh, I really like near, and I'm looking forward to playing it again, maybe in a refined state. Because uh, much as I love uh, that game, it did not age well. Yeah, um, I mean it needed reworked for sure. Definitely. Um, but anyway. That's pretty much it for what we know right now of Resident Evil Village. A great week for the game. I think a lot of people, when they get their hands on that demo, are going to feel like Matt and I did and really, really excited to play the final game. I am I am feeling like I felt RE4 vibes from that game from the first time I saw it. First trailer. I think the first thing I said was RE4. I think I've been saying it all along on Game Face, and now having played it, seeing the reports from people who have played more of it than I have, very, very encouraging. I hope you all would agree with me that RE4 is the best Resident Evil ever. I don't know. I think I most would. people agree with that, but some people don't. I some don't think that's purists. a super controversial statement, no. Yeah, some people are purists and want the weird tank controls. I, I think it's either 4 or 2. I'd agree with that, too. Yeah. And that remake for 2 was great. Like, don't get me yeah. wrong. Like, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, but still, RE4 to me, just I could just go on and on about everything about it. I remember all the characters, all the bosses, all the creatures, all the sub-bosses, a lot of those other RE games, like, I just remember patches of them. And it's not like I played RE4, like, 50 times. Like, I played it once, and then half, I think, then half of it again the second time. Mm. So... Yeah, it's I not like this thing that I've times. obsessively played or anything. Like I played it once every time it came out on a new system, basically a new generation, basically. So I played it on Res. I played it on GameCube. I played it on Wii, and I played it when it came to uh, Xbox One. I think I played it on GameCube, and then I played it halfway through on Wii, and that's where I stop. I just love it. I love everything about it, and seeing that this game is a lot like it, I also like that it's werewolves and they're faster and they're deadlier. yeah. I'm glad for a break from zombies. I don't. Yeah, I, 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 you know, it's it, vampires. Are, why not? Why not? Evil, everything. What, who cares? <laughs> like, just yeah. In fact, there's part of me that's like a little frustrated with Ethan in that demo because it's just like he's like, "What's going up?" I'm like, dude, you just a town got taken over by zombies <laughs> and like got nuked, and you ended up in a mansion with a bunch of crazy people. It's like werewolves. Are they really far off from the rest yeah. of your experience here? Well, then sir? There's a whole Chris Red, Chris Redfield angle. Yeah. Like, there's one shot in one of the trailers. It looks like there's like a a human body factory. Like they mm. show a bunch of human bodies on like meat hooks, like going up this conveyor. I don't know. Yep. Like there, it, that's what there's I'm excited been, about. There's been speculation about, you know, about whether the Chris Redfield we saw in seven is really Chris Redfield because like he doesn't look like, like Chris Redfield. You think they're making like Chris Redfield clones? Yes. Yeah, there's, there's tons of Chris Redfield now. Wow. I mean, Who there's knows? a lot. If you start poking through that trailer, 
and we showed you a couple of times earlier, there are some shots mm. in there where you're like, hmm. Like the, the other thing that jumped strike that I remember striking me in the demo is like the weird, like dramatic music sting every time you find a key item is hilarious. To oh, me. I actually like turned it, down the music to record. Uh, like every time you open the, the like, you, you know, you find a key item. You get like a big dunno. Oh, really? And it's just like screwdriver. It's like, okay, what do you I found car keys. Like, who gives a shit? Like, what do you it's very it's a it's a little much, but uh it's yeah, a good I cross section of all Resident Evils though, because you still have like the you find an object, you have to inspect it and rotate it and manipulate it. Like the car keys, mm-hmm. for instance. Like you pick them up, but you can't use them right away. You need to find like the yeah, you need a Jimmy that's Wither. the part that's funny because when you pick up the car keys, it does the dun thing, yeah. and then you open and find the screwdriver and does it again. And <laughs> I'm just like, okay, like easy, boys. If I find a toolbox, we'll be here all day. Yeah, well, I, I really enjoyed that demo, even despite all the stupid crap all around it from Capcom. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited to play the final game, and I hope you guys are too because we all need a great game to play together right about now, don't we? All right, let's get to some Q and A. We can't answer too many because we're already over time. Uh, but we'll get to a couple at least. Let's see. Zetsaber Juno. I wish Stealthy was in here. So we would answer all his questions right in a row after the donation he gave us. Um, <laughs> favorite light gun game from the arcades. Mine was Silent Scope. This is from Zetsaber Juno. Uh, mine was Silent Scope. Also starting with Time Crisis 3. You shoot while hiding to switch between weapons. Okay. Uh, my favorite was Time Crisis. Um, just in general as like a franchise, it was my favorite one. Um, but I would argue probably the best light gun game I've played probably was House of the Dead 2, as Matt had alluded mm-hmm. to earlier. But franchise-wise um, yeah. and the tone and everything, like, it, Time Crisis wasn't as hokey as the other ones. I don't know why. Was it made in the U.S., maybe? Time Crisis? God, yeah. no. That was, that that was, was Namco. That was Japan, yeah. That was Japan Namco by far, for sure. But it also um, it did have the bar that you stepped on to duck. It just felt mm-hmm. a little bit different than the other <laughs> What about you? Yeah, man? I did. You know, I, lo- I mean, House of the Dead Overkill was probably my favorite in that series. You're talking about favorite light gun game of all time. Um, God, it might be. It might be Alien Three. Oh. With the giant pulse rifles. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. And the other, the other one that I played. That made me tired to play, though. That's the other thing about yeah. light gun games. After a while, your arm starts to get tired from like holding the gun out. Yeah. Well, the, well, the other, well, the that one was on a tripod. Like it was on a, it was on the machine. Like you tilted it up and down. Uh, and then the uh, the other one, like I don't know if it's particularly good, but I played it a lot. In part because the girl I was dating at the time loved it. Uh, Revolution X, um, where you fought. That was that was the one with Aerosmith in it. Uh, <laughs> I definitely you don't had, remember you were, it then. You had you had to fight like tyrannical, like like oppressive censorship, like like goons who like were like forcing all the kids to go to school and shit. And, uh, I and like you, now. you had to shoot with the thing. <laughs> and then your your grenade thing was you shot CDs and blew stuff up. And then like they, everybody had um, all the Aerosmith guys had little like video clips and stuff. And they all, I just remember Steve. Steve Tyler very seriously looking at me and going like, music is the weapon. <laughs> you know right, what else is sure. good, Matt? And it's not even that old, that Jurassic Park one where, you, where you're yeah. in like the Jeep or whatever. In the Jeep. Yeah, That's that intense, was good. dude. Those dinosaurs like come right up in your grill. You're like, whoa. Yeah. Like, that's the Silent Hill too. one was pretty good. The, the one that made a few years ago. I never uh, played it. 
it costs a lot of money, but like you, you basically go in and sit on the thing and like, you got to go, it's like decisions you got to make and like, you got to make choices in places. And it's really hard. I never got very far in it, but it was impressive. It was one of those things like, yeah, if you ever made these things for home use, I would probably buy these. Um, but, uh, if you ever get a chance to, uh, if you ever see one of the silent Hill machines somewhere, I, I recommend trying it. It's, it's, uh, probably the last interesting silent Hill game you're ever going to play. <laughs> uh, next one from a bunch of jerks. Shane, have you ever considered setting up a crypto wallet um, to accept Bitcoin donations? I'll send you $10 in Bitcoin if you do. I had not considered that, but now I will. <laughs> uh, if you can, I guess $10 is like point oh 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 one Bitcoin because Bitcoin is yeah, so expensive. Yeah, not, right not a lot of Bitcoin there. Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy how it's exploded over the last like half a year. Really, it's gone from like six grand to like fifty-six grand. Very quickly. I'll look into that, actually. It may not be that hard to set up. Um, or if, at the very least, maybe we can set up our donate page at sifted.net slash donate to accept Bitcoin. That might be the easier route to go. But anyway, mm-hmm. I'll look into it. And thank you for offering to give us 10 bucks. That's awesome, man. Um, ETH Demon, what gamer games have you seen people pick up in the pandemic to surprise you? For me, seeing tons of people playing Final Fantasy fourteen. Hmm. I mean, Animal Crossing to me, I mean, that's the obvious one. Like, mm-hmm. people that I know that had never played games got a Switch, got Animal Crossing, and then they're, like, texting me, asking me for tips, and I'm like, I hate that game. And they're like, what? <laughs> they're like, I got this because I thought I could play along with you, and I'm like, I don't like Animal Crossing. Like, it's, it is funny how people think that, like, hardcore gamers just like everything. So they think if they buy something, you've beaten it, you can tell them how to beat every part of it. You have all the pro like codes and like secrets about the game. It's like, no, we have taste too, and we have things that we prefer like everybody else, things that we like and that we don't like. So it was definitely Animal Crossing. Like even like dudes that I know that were like grizzled, like people I played football with or whatever, like they're playing Animal Crossing. So it just became a phenomenon that just kind of transcended all social groups, really. So I think that was the biggest surprise for me, even though it does make sense in a lot of ways. What about you, Matt? I mean, I guess sort of that. I think the in like kind of tangent, you know, addition to that, I guess, is the number of people I know who are trying to recapture the Animal Crossing experience by playing the new Harvest Moon and Story of Seasons games. <laughs> um, like people that I know have never played those series before. Uh-huh. But they're like, oh, this looks kind of like Animal Crossing. I'm going to play this. And I was like, okay. Like, that's like uh, and a couple of them were like, oh, it wasn't too good. I'm like, play Stardew Valley. You'll, you, you, that's Stardew Valley is what you want. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess, I guess that. Um, yeah, a couple. I know a couple of people that did play uh, Last of Us Two that I wouldn't have expected to play Last of Us Two, except yeah. they were stuck inside and had nothing else to do. Yeah. Um, like back home, there were a lot of people like, oh my god, I didn't know video games were like this. I'm like, yeah, they're not. Like most of them aren't. Just, most of them are not like that. It's it's uh you, you played a really yeah you played a really high high level one there. That's the way to do it um, though. If you're gonna be one of those people that just pick up a few games, you need people like us to tell them which ones. Mm-hmm. Um, JM Rain, thank you for all the gift subs to our awesome audience here on Twitch. Uh, Derek D one one one, thank you for Twitch Prime. Let's see if I missed any other ones here. I wish we could answer more questions, but we're already over three weeks in a row. This show has been three hours plus. I don't. Is this is all on me? It's my fault. I'm not moving the conversations along far enough. I'm a, apparently I'm a little off my game. I don't know why, uh, but I wish we could answer more questions. There are a bunch in here, but we do need to go. Otherwise, I'm going to spend the next two days rendering this episode of Game Face. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's it for Game Face uh, episode 252. If you're listening to this show, 
out on the wilds of the internet. We're everywhere, by the way. We are on uh, Spotify. We are on iHeartRadio. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Google Podcasts. Um, where else? Stitcher. We're everywhere. If you're listening to the show on any of those places and you want to support us, and we do need the support, by the way, uh, head to patreon.com slash sifted. If you want to watch the show live, we're here every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash siftedgames. If you watch the show on YouTube, first of all, like, subscribe, ring the bell. I think that's what you're supposed to do. And also, if you can't afford to contribute, there are instructions below on how to give us a free $2.50 a month using Twitch Prime. Also, if you're watch Pactor Factor, you know all about that. It makes a big difference for us, and we really kind of rely on it to uh, make ends meet here. So I'm Shane Satterfield. You can find me on Twitter at Dinfire. Uh, Matt Kyle is my co-host. You can find him on Twitter at MKyle. And again, if you can't afford to support us in any way, you just want to know when the show goes up for free on YouTube or when it goes live on any of those free podcast networks that we're on, uh, follow Sifted on Twitter at Sifted Game. So on behalf of Matt, I'm Shane. We'll see you next week. Game Faces up and out.